You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 290. Yeah, I try not to be negative, but uh, I can't help sometimes. I know. Hey, if you, yeah. it, it's all good. I, oh, and, and I don't. I mean, we we won't talk about it now. We can we can yeah. Twitter DM it later. But it was I I I'm curious to know why you were waving the white flag because I thought last night was probably the best one of the season. Huh? Yeah, I guess. We'll, we'll talk later. We'll yeah. talk later. Sorry. It's and yeah, and I and I told David, I, you know, I, I gave up on Arrow, but God. Arrow just no better. They give, give up on Arrow. Oh, I mean, I give up on Shield, but Arrow gets better and better and better every week. It I'm is... going to watch the last 15 minutes of tonight's show. It's so done. It's so it's so smart. Are it's... you caught up, Jason, or are you just DVRing it? Yeah, I am. Catch... Caught, uh, I am oh. caught up. I, I'm not. I got to be honest. I'm not loving Arrow either, but I am liking it enough to keep watching it more than I am. Are you not liking the Canary character? No, I mean, not really. I, I, okay. I mean, like it, it's. I mean, I think it is what it is. To me, it's it's just a it's an action packed WB show, which is fine, and they all look pretty. And yeah, I still but, think it's. I and 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 we'll do the introductions because we're we're out of the music here. Uh, we're talking about Arrow. Uh, I, I keep going back to motivation, and every one of the characters in that show is driven by a particular motivation, and that. That's something that I really respect out of the writing of it is people don't just go off and do things for no reason. Everything has this underlying motivation. And that's I think that's a Guggenheim staple from what we've what we've seen from his comics work and now we see it here. And it's just really, really smartly done. Now there was there was a moment tonight that I was just like, Ugh it's um and I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin or spoil, but uh, Detective Lance puts something together really quickly. Uh, He puts it together, like, really quickly. It's like, oh, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, okay, you put that together really quickly. But not the homeboy's got green mascara over his eyes. Yes, yes, but but you still don't know who who the hood or arrow is after a season and a half. But but this you figure out in like twenty seconds. I was like, I didn't I didn't watch the first season yet, so I have a question for you guys. Oh, first season's great. It's clear because they keep referring back to the island and they show these other people on the island and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Is the big giant dude that's kind of like hanging out with uh, Arrow and the chick? Is that Dale? Deathstroke or is Deathstroke? Yeah. Oh, no, that, oh, yeah, it's oh, Deathstroke. oh, on the island? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. Slade Wilson. Yeah, it's yeah. Slade. That is Slade. Okay. It is yeah. Slade. And um, and there's another guy that is dressed as Deathstroke in the in the early episodes. Yeah, because he and Slade were partners. And he they, yeah, they, and they, they reference it that they were partners and they wore the same mask. And gotcha. so you don't something 
something bad happens there. But that that's another reason I love the show is because it is so deliberate and and paced in a way that it doesn't rush. So you know there the 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 backstory episode or the backstory what what goes on on the island and now the ship and what you'll get to. It happens at a pace that you look forward to each one of those segments because it reveals more of Ollie's past. And, mm-hmm. and, and that is a, an entirely different storyline going on. And, but it does it at a pace where nothing is rushed and right. everything just kind of evolves at its own pace. And I, I respect that they're not, they're not running to reveal the story. And it's, that's, that's, that's rare in, in shows, I mean, you still have kind of your your villain of the week sometimes. In but the like Black Wolverine. Oh, oh <laughs> what? Last week was Black, you know, Black Wolverine. That was, oh, the, no, dude, that oh, was Bronze Tiger. Well, okay. Oh, the 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 mayor. Fair enough. The mayor. No, no. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Spawn. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. wait. The the mayor is who? No, no, no. Not the mayor. Uh huh. The, the Michael J. White's character, who Wait, showed that was up. Michael J. White. Yes. Oh, it was. It was Black Dynamite. Yes. Oh, I did not realize that, dude. Yeah. yeah now yeah. you're okay oh, with let me, it. Let me roll back. I might love this show. <laughs> Wait, what? That was Michael J. White. Yes, my brother. Dude, I did not recognize him at all. Oh, okay, okay. Now oh, all right. Now I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, snap! Okay. All right then. So China White. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, well, and then you had, you know, Brother Blood, which I thought was very cool. That was awesome. Yeah. See, that's, so, you know what? Yeah, let me rescind that. I'm enjoying the show. I forgot about last week's episode. Yeah, yeah. I like the Brother Blood. That's cool, too. Oh, All yeah, right. yeah. Second, when, Blood, when Brother Blood showed up, I was like, oh, snap, Scarecrow's here. And then I was just like, but. You know what? Exactly. I was watching. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, they're bringing Scarecrow home away from, from Batman into this? I'm like, what? And so then, I thought the first, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's cool. All right. Yeah. And, and, and this week. Minor spoiler: You get some Doctor Ivo, which it shouldn't be a huge shock because you've noticed that you've seen the uh, ship, the right? Freighter. The yeah, name you, of the freighter is what? Have you seen Jason? Have I seen what? What the, the name? What the name of the ship is? Uh, no, but you can tell me. I don't. I mean, it's fine. Uh, Amazo. Yes. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. And and in the episode with the um, with the doll maker, uh, which was really the, good. the delivery van had um, the name of that company was Metamorpho. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's awesome. But the other thing was, um, you mentioned you mentioned Amazo, but the um, oh shit, it was just on the tip of my goddamn tongue. Oh, you know who was in the cell next to Ollie when he was on the freighter? You know who that was? No. Cagey Beast. Oh, nice! Really, they are, they are going buck wild with the cameos and the Easter that eggs. And it's it's fucking awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That is cool. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics Extended Intro. Uh, this is the uh, the tricycle edition. We are we are Vinceless this week, which means that uh, he, he is in Gotham. Uh, he actually is in Gotham doing doing no, he actually stuff. is in Gotham, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, um, continuing his education, which is awesome, uh, which means that uh, that you get a heaping, helping uh, serving of me, Christopher Neesman. Hi, Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. Yes, you are. And I'm Dynamite, Jimmy Walker. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, you're not. He's still alive, right? You're not Jimmy Walker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Dude, okay. I got to yeah. tell you why I'm saying I'm Jimmy Walker. So, our boy Chris Campbell, frequent con roommate, right? Word. 
he on the last latest episode of No Apologies, they started talking about something randomly about TV. He had never heard of what's happening. Stop! Or How is, oh what? my God, you sheltered white boy! How is that? Like literally, had never heard. No, of I'm, a, sh- I'm okay. a sheltered See, white boy, and I've heard I of it. Maybe understand, but wasn't Good Times on in prime time? Also, was what's happening, dude. Was it was like see I don't I I in Arizona it it was more like yeah it may have been early evening for me either way really but yeah I no I, I just I, yeah I'm like you, I didn't watch much Brady Bunch because I was real little like so I knew it was there but I didn't watch it but like I knew it existed you know what I mean like like I mean he literally they were like what do you mean and he literally had no idea who like Raj was like he oh, didn't shit. Know, no Raj like, no no rent how do you not notice shit he had no idea. So the, and then they brought up they, they were talking about what's happening at first and then they brought up uh, good times Jimmy and he's like what the hell's good times and they're like come oh, on you stop can't. Like, no I don't even know what you're talking about I was like dude I'm like man <sighs> they like like I did Chris he apparently they uh, they 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 pulled him right out of the pod right before they sent him to uh, to uh, Cornell apparently that's well he, you know, he's he's a, he's a Washington State kid so. But they don't have they don't allow black folk TV. They, yeah, they don't they don't they don't they don't, they don't have yeah. black TV out there. Sanford and Son, no, no never. No. That's that, that is hilarious. Right. No. Um, this uh, uh, this week the the intro and it, it, I love it whenever I get to drive yeah. the bus because I get to control the music and Vince hates the music interludes that I put into the shows. So this week he can suck it because I've got some awesome <laughs> stuff planned out. Uh, new Luscious Jackson mm, uh, album dropped this week. It was crowdfunded, so uh, it's it's. I love the model of like Kickstarter and the uh, the crowdfunded. What's the uh, it's what play music or where's the uh, what's the big crowdfunded music uh, spot? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to. I, yeah, I'll have fund to, anything. I'll, uh, no, it's just like it's just for music. I'm uh, Mike, oh, Mike okay. Doty just did his new record there, so it's uh, it's kind of turned into like the Kickstarter for music. I'll, I'll look it up here in a couple minutes, but um, it was uh, successfully funded. So new Luscious Jackson album came out. I'm a big Luscious Jackson fan. They those gals were so awesome, and, and we're going back what like 15 years now. Um, yeah, for their stuff. Lollapalooza back in yeah. the day. Yeah, but. What I always loved about Luscious Jackson is that th- they were like the the indie rock chicks that did dance and hip hop music, and so it was very accessible. It's like you could listen to Nirvana but still be a Luscious Jackson fan. Oh sure. And so they were. I think they were definitely one of those one of those acts that. That was a new album. Oh, it's really good. It's cool. it's. It absolutely, absolutely worth the eight ninety nine I spent on it at, uh, at Amazon today, uh, downloading the MP threes. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's very, it's Luscious Jackson. It's very dancey, but it's got it's got this nice urban feel to it. It's it's everything that they've that they've always been. Just a uh, you know a little bit older. You know they're uh, yeah. It's 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 good. It's very good. Um, so we're gonna do some Luscious Jackson. I think we're gonna do some uh, Rocket from the Crypt. Maybe some uh, some new Monster Magnet for our for our boy Dave Windorf and uh, maybe yeah. a, a couple other a couple other treats. Um, but uh, uh, off music and talking about comics, we need to. Mention- what are you drinking though? Well, no, we're not there yet. I need to mention. I need to mention. <gasps> oh, the, God, a sponsor, my bad. You're, you're stepping all over my my I segue. Am, uh, it's, wait, 
We need to uh, mention this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics, uh, like every episode of 11 O'Clock Comics for 290 episodes now, uh, has been or is being sponsored by uh, Discount Comic Book Service. That is DCBService.com. It is your best place on the Internet to get the best prices on comics. You can get uh, uh, anywhere from, what, 30 to 75% off on your comics. Uh, they have great, great monthly deals, uh, the pre-ordering, so you make sure that you get everything that you want. It's, uh, it's comics, apparel, merchandise, everything you need. If it's in previews, you can pre-order it and at great discounts. They're, uh, they're a uh, uh, privately owned company. Uh, great people that are passionate about comics, and uh, they're all together awesome. You hear about it every week. We're customers. We love them. They are awesome. And if you are a first-time subscriber to uh, DCBS, you can use uh, our discount code um, that, that is exclusive to us here at uh, 11 O'Clock Comics, and you can get an extra 8% off on your initial order. Uh, and, David, what is that discount code? Discount code is EOC8. Yes, and so mm-hmm. uh, if you get, uh, think if you get seventy five percent off something, that's like getting like like eighty three percent off something. Like it, yeah, yeah which just is like awesome. It. Just like that. Um, so discount yes. comic book service, and uh, 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 congratulations to them because they've uh, just uh, just announced a new acquisition there. Yeah. Tales yeah. of Wonder, baby. Tales of Wonder is now under the uh, the DCBS umbrella, as is InStockTrades.com, which continues to be. If you don't want to be on the subscription basis, is still an awesome place to uh, to order your trades and and graphic novels and hardcovers and and all that good stuff. And I think as always, uh, orders. Uh, over $50 ship for free. So um, go and order through them. They're great. And yes, um, now on to the drink roll call. David, since you're apparently slugging it back tonight, what are you Well, I am, and that's why I wanted to mm-hmm. get it over with. So this way I'm, I'm still somewhat lucid. I, um, mm-hmm. I poured in a glass, uh, a little bit of Rittenhouse rye on the rocks, mm. and then I decided to top that off or mix it with the last of the Buffalo Trace I had to kind of take the bite out of the rye. And it's pretty tasty. I talked about, I, I told Mario about this the other night, and, and it, it's not too bad. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mixing, mixing whiskeys now on me. You're getting experimental. I am. I am. Yeah. It's getting a little hot in this room, too, now. So. <laughs> it's getting hot in her. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go next because I'm a uh, I'm not doing anything fancy. Uh, I had some uh, Jim Beam laying around the house, as I usually do, and uh, some apple cider. I'm a big fan of the apple cider this time of year, so I was like, hmm, apple cider, bourbon. Those are two tastes that should go together very well, and they do, so I'm having some apple cider and bourbon. Respect it. Yeah. Yes. It is done in a Blueberry Hill glass from St. Louis, which is the joint that uh, uh, Chuck Berry is a uh, part owner of. Of and uh, and plays. I, I I think he still plays like the second or third Wednesday of every month. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a digression. Um, Wood, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, straight from uh, Francis Ford's personal cellar. Uh, some Coppola. Like uh, Francis, wait, is that the mayor from Toronto? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm drinking some Coppola, some Coppola uh, Cab. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, smooth. It's smooth, like butter. Nice. 
But, uh, but uh, dude, also by the way, uh, just a, another um, relative to uh, to the Merklers and uh, DCB service, they also um, are in the works for a new store location. Yeah, I I, I saw that. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Um, more a bigger space for inventories, for warehousing, for the online business, and a and a more um, shopper friendly. Mm-hmm. Front front of the house. I yeah, think. they're yeah they're going to be able to keep the, the coffee. The re- they're going to have like a yeah. coffee shop with it and stuff. Really? So. Yeah. Oh, so. good for them. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'm going to have to like uh, like like my pager. Well, whenever I go, uh, I think I'm going to uh, definitely head down for for Appleseed for uh, for Zach's show down there and uh, and cruise over and uh, and see the uh, the fine folks at DCBS. So that's awesome. Um, we we've been reading comics. Yes. Yes, we have. Cool. We should talk about them. Do we have to? We don't have oh, to. Oh, well. I'm only kidding. No, we can talk about all sorts of stuff. We talked about <laughs> we had a we had our arrow uh, moment. Okay, here. you know. Well, well speaking mm-hmm. speaking of arrows, so this I'll, I'll segue into this. Then um, I read the two issue series, uh, the Trial of the Punisher, and this is probably sitting in a drawer for a while because a it's penciled. Lenil Yu on Avengers right now with the Infinity tie-in. But it's... I don't think it's written for Marvel. Are we losing, David? Yeah. Well, apparently the Internet does not want him to talk about the Punisher. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, really. Are you back? Am I back? I don't know. Yeah, you're good. All right. All right, go for it. So, Mark Guggenheim wrote this two-issue miniseries, The Trial of the Punisher. Um, and the first issue... Guggenheim thought, did? Yes. Really? He hasn't He hasn't written for Marvel in a while. So, this is probably sitting in, in, in someone's drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, he did a few things for DC, but then he's been... He did, you know, he did an awesome um, run on Wolverine during Civil War, which was the first time I had read his stuff. Was that around the same time? I don't know when this was when when this was actually written because there's there's an afterword in the first issue, dated August 2013, so it it, it had to have been written. It was probably it, it was definitely written. Um, I would think maybe before Rucka's recent Punisher run, but mm-hmm. um, it's a standalone story. It's uh, it starts off with. Um, with Frank Castle going into a police station and um, and confessing to a murder, uh, one in particular, but um, so he gets arrested. He's he's uh, he's on trial. Obviously, the name of the book. But uh, the first issue I thought was was stellar. Second issue is um, drawn by uh, Miguel Swain, who, who's doing the um, oh yeah the Unity series for for Valiant. Um, so again, this leads me to think that this was done a while ago. Um, second issue towards the end, it, it kind of it it it's, it it ends up being a typical Punisher story, but I don't I I, I think the landing could have been a little better. Um, but I still okay. I'm I'm not I'm not offended by it. I, I thought it was it, it was a pretty solid standalone Punisher story, just like many of the other one shots that that Garth has written over the years. Um, but uh, but after that awesome beginning, that great first issue, I was it, and it was there's a cool scene. Um, Matt Murdock has to take the stand, and uh, and 
he basically, you know, tries to say that he's under attorney-client privileges. He can't talk about Frank Castle's mental state. Uh, but the um, the the defense attorney, she she's saying that um, well, maybe not, but you can talk about Frank Castle's mental state when another one of your clients is involved. And and so she had him on that, and he had to kind of talk about Frank in that. In, in, in that regard, uh, and didn't paint a pretty picture for Punisher. Things were um, starting to take a dark turn for for our favorite antihero, and uh, until Frank takes the stand, and and that's when things end up pretty much becoming a, a, a standard Punisher story. So it ended like I expected it to, um, and and maybe a little abruptly. But what kind of what what soured me slightly, especially at, in the afterward of the first issue, is Guggenheim mentions how he doesn't recall ever. He, he's, he's seen Frank Castle in jail, in prison. He's seen him arrested, but he doesn't recall ever seeing Frank Castle on trial. And and I immediately threw my hands up and I was just like, fuck <laughs> shit, because, because <laughs> there, was, there, there was a spectacular Spider-Man storyline where he – it was during the Black Cat era and, and – um, it was it was the like issue eighty one eighty two so it was it was in the eighties it was it was before the Stephen Grant Mike Zek miniseries it was the reason why Frank was in jail but um, during this Peter Parker storyline Frank was basically kind of under the influence and he was he was mowing down everybody it didn't didn't matter if you were raping kids or selling drugs if you were if you were littering if you were going if, if you were jaywalking the green exactly if you were doing any of that he was shooting you down and and so spider-man caught him he's finally arrested and he's and i remember i remember every page where he's standing in front of the judge and sitting in, in the courtroom so i'm like right away i'm like damn guggenheim couldn't even do his research but then what really killed me was that at the end of the afterward he says and this issue is dedicated to Bill Mantlo, who told me, who taught me that you can be a lawyer and a comic book writer. And motherfucker, and Bill <laughs> Mantlo wrote that Peter Parker doesn't practice spider Get so angry. I, dude, I was just like, seriously, like nobody could just say, oh, by the way, Mantlo wrote the story that you never have seen. But other than that, other than that slight mar, um, I, I kind of enjoy it because it's been a while since I've, um, because I'm, I'm currently not reading Thunderbolts, so I'm really not getting any Frank Castle in my life at the moment. Um, I, I'll rectify that. I'm just not reading Thunderbolts right now. But I thought this was um, – I loved Rucker's run and and told him so when, when we had him on the show. But this was – this was it was a really cool little um, standard Punisher – it was in a slightly different setting and, and – um, it all makes sense, but uh, I, I thought it had a really solid, strong start. Um, I would definitely, if you're a Punisher fan, and and if you have info on or um, or when it, it was, maybe it's always been an Toy Story, and they just decided to put it out now. I don't know, but I'm glad they did. I, I, I thought it was good. And, and Guggenheim, you know, he's, when I read him on Amazing Spider-Man, when I read his, um, his, his uh, he wrote, Hyperion versus uh, was this yes, it was the it was the Hyperion versus um, uh, Nighthawk. 
Right. Um, for the that so was the was, that was the Max line. So he was doing he was doing stuff with um, uh, with Straczynski, um, yeah. which that I was the um, which was it all was, very good. Yeah, no, it was it was a really good story. Um, but I mean, I so I mean, I'm a Guggenheim fan. I, I uh, uh, and it's every once in a while when we catch an old episode of Law and Order back when the Jerry Orbach days, uh, Guggenheim's name will pop up on that. Oh, that's so it's, right. I, he's, I forgot about that. He, um, you know, he, he's got a solid pedigree, a uh, resume. So I oh, he's uh, a good he's a good writer. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. He, um, God, what was the stuff we had? Um, we had talked with him on AC when he was doing. Didn't he also do uh, the Halcyon book a couple years ago? Did he write that? I think he wrote that for Image. Yeah, I'm trying to think what he was doing. He had done he had done Wolverine. Yeah. And then what had he jumped over to, to DC at that point? Cuz we asked him the the question of, you know, what you know, what would you really like to, you know, to do and it's like, you know, pay hey, you you write superhero comics, you're a, a lawyer and a, and a writer, you know, it's uh and he's like, yeah, yeah. There's there's a book over at Marvel that I'd like to write. So, um, I I, th- I think after, I would guess anyway. And Marvel would be stupid to to not go after him hard and heavy. Um, there'll be a time whenever whenever Guggenheim writes Daredevil. It's I mean it's 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 gonna happen at some I point. So. Even though See, I think uh, I think that that Warner it, with the success of Arrow. And and him, I mean, this is not his first rodeo. Um, he was the head guy for what brothers and sisters, and uh, oh, I think so. Yeah, and there's been there's been a, a couple others. I mean, he's no uh, Eli Stone. He's the he was the co-creator mm. of Eli Stone. Yeah, he worked on brothers and sisters as well. Mm. Well, it's not in his IMDb, but it's uh, not okay. Mm. Oh, I, oh, I thought it was okay. Oh, yeah, but yeah, Eli Stone. I'm, yes. When I think of him, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, is is Blade with Jaken, and that's that's, oh, that that's the other right. thing. Yeah. And it was yeah. so, oh, it was so fucking good. It was oh, it was so God. bad, dude. It was so bad. <laughs> what? I hated every piece of it. Oh, Wait, damn. you you hated the story with the hated the art thing. and the very and, and the last page with the colon. I, 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 yeah, that that for me is the that is the very uh, the very essence of. How I, how I came to think of as there being good chicken and bad chicken. <sighs> so I know you hate, and chicken's been awesome the last few years, and I'm loving everything he's doing. So I'm firmly on board with chicken. But I'm just saying, I, I vividly remember reading that, being like, "The fuck!" I the absolutely fuck? adored <laughs> that book. It was. I know. I know. We definitely are on different sides on that one. I know that for many years now. And but... you are wrong, sir. You are wrong. Hey, you know, uh, I can live with it. We'll no, the first I, no, no, I know that we. You'll come around on it eventually. Um, <laughs> eventually, you'll go back and reread it. No, I love this. Oh, there was twelve issues of. I I think it, as much as like Christopher Priest defined Black Panther for me in in his run, that was a defining run uh, on Blade for me. It 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 redefined that character for me. Whew. Cool. I love think, think, think about I love your favorite. Think about your favorite Blade comics previous to that. Yes, it, you know it's yeah some some nice appearances in in 
Tomb of Dracula with Colin. And, yeah, I mean, Colin versus Chaken. I mean, Colin was a master. Chaken. But you know what? I thought Chaken's art in Blade was... No, Chaken's art in on his Avengers run was fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. But, but, oh, the 1959 stuff? Oh, it was so yeah, not good. But, no, I thought I thought the Chaken, I thought the Chaken stuff on Blade was good. I did, too. Yeah, that's cool. No, I, that's, that's, you know, and don't get me started on the good chicken, bad chicken, but yeah, I, I actually, you hate that. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, I, I just, I'm not a fan, um, of, of that, of that whole thing, but no, I, I, I really did like his, uh, I liked his work on, uh, on what, but, but we're not talking about chicken. We're talking about Guggenheim. You, you take chicken out of the, out of the equation and, and Guggenheim's story. It's the, the boy stuff was fantastic. I honestly can't separate the. The, no, it's okay. The two, but yeah, no, I get you. I get you. No, I get no, you. Because he gave he gave some backstory to Blade, which I you know I'd like to see nobody disregard, and and you know, maybe they'll play on it eventually. But um, no, I, I I've never disliked anything that that Guggenheim wrote, regardless of of who he paired up with art wise. But um, and this is still this this I think he has a. He has a good handle on on the character Frank Castle and and uh, and the fact that it was a courtroom setting. It was um, he, yeah. It was probably very easy for him to, uh, to 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 plan the story out, and um, and I really can't. It, if you're a Punisher fan, you probably already read it. Uh, if you glossed over it because you know it was just a two issue series, you weren't sure where it tied into. It's it. It is absolutely. It, it, it looks fine on the shelf next to any other Punisher one shot that came out in the past decade. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. That that's strong that words. High praise. I'm gonna have to give it a read. I didn't even. I didn't order it. Admittedly. So. Riley Rosmo, right? I do. I own several pieces of art from Mr. Do you Rosmo. really? Yes. I and mean, a phone number. And a phone number? True. And some, some <laughs> phone number of, of his. <laughs> some important some. enough to write on, on my commission page. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, have, have any of you guys talked about Bedlam yet? Not yet. Uh, I mentioned it when I read the first trade, but we didn't talk a lot about it. I, I had, right. think I'd mentioned it expecting Vince to read it and then we talk about it. I think we ever got back around to it. Um so. wow was it fucking good. So did you so you're you've only read the Rossmo stuff or have you gotten into the Riley the uh, the um, I mean the uh, Ryan Brown stuff I haven't gotten into Ryan stuff. I'm I'm okay. just I'm into the first trade. I've not finished all of the first trade. Um now you guys know that I'm not I'm not the biggest Nick Spence Nick Spencer fan in the world. Yeah, that, that was my reluctance. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I I read it exactly. I, I had actually exchanged some emails with Riley yeah. about something, and he had mentioned like a way back that he was doing that book, and so I had a mental sort of cue in my head. So I gave it a try in spite of the Spencer, and then I saw that that and then right after we had Ryan Brown on the show, he he mentioned to us that he was doing the second uh, arc of it. So then I was like, okay, I'm like I'll check this book out, see what this is about. So. Yeah, I'll take it. You, you go ahead and take it. But yeah, I agree. I, I was reluctant of Spencer, but I, I think this this may be one of his his better works. I you know it's we were my, my reluctance with Spencer is that 
we were kind of being spoon fed the whole thing about this is this is the next guy and i think that you know comics as an industry you know is is very much pr driven and and you know spencer was working for for you know different companies at the time and and was you know that that perceived rising talent and you know at the time i was like you know scott snyder is the guy that you need to keep an eye on because they were kind of coming on the scene at the same time and uh, in, in the stuff I've read of Spencer's, it's okay. Nothing really blew me away. It, it was it was serviceable. And then uh, then he certainly had a couple a couple trips and falls. But that's what I you know that's what I love about seeing someone at, at Image. And even though I didn't like his Morning Glory stuff, you get to see the the kind of distilled creative output of people this is the story that they want to tell it's always it's always really hard for me anyway to get someone's voice uh on a big two book because i i I think that there's a propensity of of editorial interference and so i never really know what voice is is being heard and uh and this you know i feel like that that there's a lot of rosmo in this but i think that that Spencer is finally finding his voice, even though this is, and and agree or disagree with me, Jason, this is a Batman pitch that is kind of like an Elseworlds Batman pitch. Do you do you feel yeah, that? I mean, yeah, I, I think I may have in fact read something suggesting that this was in fact something he had pitched. Yeah, maybe I'm imagining that, but I but yes, I would agree with that. I would say that this is certainly. Uh, some kind of amalgamation of an idea that could have been, you know, had he gotten a chance to do Batman, mm-hmm. how he might have gone with it. So, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. You know, so so for folks out there that haven't read it, and, and you certainly should, n- number one, Riley Rosmo, his art is, it is unique, it is um, expressive and, and wonderful, and everything that he's done from from proof to cowboy ninja viking you know and and onward is is stuff that i i absolutely adore and if jason is buying up multiple pages then you know it's good uh yeah, commissions i don't have any um i have a couple commissions from him now i, I need to, this book to page, I, i'm liking this book so much that that i think i might uh i might have to contact him about getting uh, a page with with matter rose on it and uh and that's that's the central character uh, Matter Rose is is very much a a Joker inspired um, psychopathic mastermind criminal kills children and puppies and and you know it's he is he is the Joker and um, becomes reformed in a certain way and. Uh, is trying to atone for past sins and uh, and decides to uh, to try and and help the authorities to uh, to bring down serial killers and and other and other bad guys. Which is, you know, the that's the the Hollywood pitch is what if the Joker wanted to make good and be a, be a good guy? It's basically like I yeah. mean, and this was this book obviously came out before the show, but for those that are watching current tv it's like what if you mixed the joker up with the show blacklist oh yeah 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 oh wow. you know? okay absolutely yeah it's it's the it's the ultimate bad guy that is maybe trying to come back for redemption maybe not you're not for sure so it's just like imagine the joker 
being the James Spader character and working and working with uh, yeah, with, exactly. the, with Gotham PD. You know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's like it's like the buddy guy team up with Commissioner Gordon, you know, and the Joker, which is is a great fucking concept. And uh, yeah, it's it is dark and it is it is dingy and it's everything that. Uh, um, that that Rosmo does really really well in in creating mood and atmosphere, and um, God, what was the God, what was the other book that he did the um, oh crap where it's kind of the uh, the the netherworld the green what no. green wake green wake um, which I've got to get the the last trade on that that was another that was another very atmosphere atmosphere driven comic of his everything that he does I really like he's. David, I'm, I'm shocked. Who really would have thought good. we'd hear Chris being so nice about a Canadian? <laughs> I love Canadians. <laughs> hey, I only had one joke about the, the Toronto mayor. Uh, Rosmo's Canadian? Yes, he is. Really? Okay. Dude, I curl. This is true. You've come around. I do. I, it, it's, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a forbidden love that I have he's with a Canadians. He's Calgary-based now, but he's, uh, I believe, originally from Saskatoon. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah, that's even harder. Oh, to another say. thing that he did recently too, which I did polite. talk about and is awesome, is uh, Wild Children, which was Alesh Kot's, uh the first thing I read of Alesh Kot, who's now all over DC, doing all kinds of work at DC. But uh, I guess in Marvel too now. But um, but yeah, he. Uh, the thing I like about Rosmo is that he he he's one of those artists that adapts his style to the work. Um, I believe when really? I talked to him, like I think Sinkevich is one of his main influences. Oh yeah, obviously you'd see that in the work. But I mean, but dude is prolific so, though. God, he's yeah, he's real he's fast. So much work. He is real fast. Yeah, he can definitely do more than one book a month. And uh, and like I said, he he definitely each of his works. Like if you've read Green Wake mm-hmm. or Proof or Cowboy Ninja Viking or this or Wild Children, like his art is distinctly different in each because he's going for a different you know motif. So I, I really appreciate that about him. Yeah. Yeah, but you always know it's him. Oh, definitely. I'm yeah. just saying, but he's he's not a guy that just has like one one type of line. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he, he plays with different line weights, and he he plays with you know sometimes he's you know he'll use you know watercolors, and sometimes mm-hmm. he use a lot more blacks. Like he's definitely yeah. Green, Green Wake felt very um, surreal. It mm-hmm. you know it, it felt as as it should have. Um, yeah, everything he's done, he's been. Uh, he's been the the star of the book. You know, I, I love the concept of proof, and uh, you know, but I look back at it, and it's 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 Rosmo's visuals that stick with me. I missed that book. It was me too. it was really good. Did it actually did it end or did it just? I mean, was there a conclusion to it? No. I didn't. Oh wow. Okay. Hmm. It kind of as it should be. Cryptid should yeah. never have a definitive ending. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, it's uh, uh Bedlam is good. I can't wait to see Ryan's stuff. I need to it reminds me, I need to get in get in touch with him. And he's got uh, God Hates Astronauts news. I think he's moving along to, to volume two. Oh, and there's going to be a blast furnace colorized version, the complete blast furnace in color uh Kickstarter. And it's the beginning of the year, so you can get your uh, get your blast furnace on, which was his. Uh, the original concept was the uh, the the page a day um, for a year comic. I don't know if he, he actually finished it, but uh, but I know he uh, I know he got a lot of blast furnace out there. So we're gonna we're gonna see that colorized and and then graphic uh, graphic novel form soon. That's awesome. Yeah, 
Oh, speaking of Kickstarters, everybody got their uh, their their most rad wallet. Yes, I did. Nice, David. I'm Do sorry, you, David. No, I'm here. I, I missed the question. Did everyone get their most rad wallet? Yes, I love it. Thank you, David. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I I um I'm still uh I think I have it where I I want it um I think I. Ha- have it set where it's going to be most useful for me. Um, but uh, I, I understand Jason's issues with it. Um, I can, because I, at first I had my money folded three ways underneath the the strap. But then you know when I go to, I, I don't, I don't use cash for a lot of things. I, I mostly use my debit card, which is what appealed, which has made the wallet so appealing to me. Is that you know I can slide the uh, the debit card out, and when I'm at Home Depot or the supermarket or anything, I can just keep the card in the pocket and still swipe it and and cash has always been kind of secondary with me so um i as long as you know i just keep a few cards in there and uh but i'm I, i've been walking around with it for a couple of days now it, it's light i i don't feel it as much as i did my old um cole Hahn clip and um and card holder so i'm mm-hmm. i'm cool with it Yes, it's good. It was a great, it was great, uh, a great Kickstarter find. So, so thank you very much. Um, I had to um, read a tweet um, real quick from uh, Scotty Young, uh, who obviously still listens to the show, which is very cool. Uh, going back to last week, um, Scotty says uh, all your descriptions of Battling Boy are basically exactly what's so good about manga. Battling Boy is such a manga style storytelling. So I thought that mm. was uh, very, very interesting and cool insight from uh, from Scotty. So that's uh, that, was a, that was a nice discussion. I, I enjoyed that last last week. I uh, I will I will. Be reading it soon. Frankie the Dildonator lent me his copy. I saw him cool. at work the other oh, day, nice. and, uh, and he handed it to me. So I'll is he the minion? No, no, no he works. No, who's the, the minion? Works in a different. The minion is uh, his. His name is Joe, and uh, I don't know. He, I don't know. He doesn't listen, but um, he, he asks what we talk about, and and he he likes the uh, he, he he likes the live action comic things. He loves the Marvel movies. Um, he he. Um, he wants to be he basically wants to be Tony Stark when he grows up. Um, <laughs> he, uh, but he, uh, he doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Um, but no, we, uh, we we talk about a few things. He watches The Walking Dead. He, he watches Shield. He watches Arrow. I got him into Arrow. He, he liked Shotgun the first season, um, like over the course of a weekend. But um, he uh, he's a good kid. But uh, no, he is. He, he works. <laughs> he, he works with me, whereas Frankie works in the. Um, in, in the registrar's office. So different building, different department altogether. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, By the way, speaking of uh, Kickstarters, uh, I found it pretty interesting to see um, that uh, Fantagraphics is uh, running a Kickstarter. I saw that. What? I clicked on the info yet, but I, I'm interested. Yeah, I backed it. Um, I mean, basically, Gary Groth is doing a Kickstarter to keep Fantagraphics going. Uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, with, the, with the death of um, his partner, uh, you know, it just... Uh, he said not only did it, you know, uh, disrupt the company for, you know, the obvious reasons of losing a partner who helped run the business, but, you know, financially and, and you know, so forth and so on. They've never been a particular, particularly, you know, profitable or overtly cash flow positive company. And so, you know, the combination of his loss and the loss of his, you wow. know, his work and, and the time and all that is, has kind of put them a little bit strapped here. And so he's doing a Kickstarter to... Um, to basically fund the spring catalog 
And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an awesome Kickstarter in the sense that, um, you know, there are tiers ranging from, you know, a couple bucks all the way up to a few thousand dollars. And I mean, just every which way, but loose in terms of the stuff you can get. Really? And, you know, you can pretty much order like for, for the price of what it would cost you to get the book anyway, you can order like any kind of tier. So I back the, um, they're going to put out the, uh, it's funny cause, cause, uh, we were just talking about this when, when, uh, when, uh, uh, a few weeks ago and, uh, uh, Vince was talking about Wits End, and um, and they're actually about to release apparently a complete hardcover collection of Wits End, and so I backed that. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it makes me sad that they need the money, but on the yeah. other hand, you know, I mean, Kickstarter's so uh, robust now that um, you know why not why not uh, you know back mm-hmm. it. So I, I think it's uh, pretty cool, and I would definitely commend people to check it out. You know, we have talked about and enjoyed quite a few Fantagraphics books over the years and it would be, you know, a shame to, uh, I mean, he didn't make it sound like they're going to go to business or anything, but he just said that basically if, if we want the spring catalog to come out, you know, and not be, you know, pretty significantly delayed (sighs) that, uh, you know, this, this Kickstarter will help keep that going while they catch up on the cash flow that they lost because of, uh, uh, Kim's death. So, yeah, that's, that's, I can't imagine, uh, comics without Fantagraphics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they're they're that important to hip hop family trees. Finally out. I can't wait to uh, should be coming this week. So, yeah. I mean, think about it. We we wouldn't know who Jacques Tardy is without fanographics. Definitely, yeah. You know, and that that alone um, puts them, you know, in in, in pretty uh, pretty revered status. And uh, so, yeah, I, I will I will check that out and uh, and back uh, whatever I can with them because that's uh they're um they're important to to comics they're important to the medium and they need to they need to be around for for as long as as long as they can be so i'm saddened that they're that they're having any sort of troubles so yeah all right well thank you for the update Mm-hmm. nice uh what else we got what you been reading Bo? um well so i really have enjoyed uh pretty much Without fail, um, everything I've read in the uh, Mignola broader universe, whether it be, um, you know, BPRD or Hellboy or um, Baltimore, haven't read any Lobster Johnson, but I'm imagining I see no reason why I wouldn't oh, like I that. will. That looks um, awesome. But, you know, and, and also, as, as you guys know, I'm, I'm really almost a neophyte when it comes to the Hellboy proper. I have all the the library editions, but uh, I've only started uh about halfway through the first one really but pretty close i mean i don't know that i'm current on bprd but i've read the you know more than a dozen of the trades and so i guess i'm a couple trades behind but i'm much more current on that so um you know generally i kind of just am out of time sync when it comes to the hellboy stuff which is one of the reasons i, I never talk about it on the show um but in this case they released a um an ogn a little hardcover um original graphic novel that uh I received this past week, and it's uh, called Hellboy, The Midnight Circus, mm-hmm. um, written by Mignola, um, with art by Duncan Fagreda, who I think is... is he's awesome. He is the bee's knees. Yeah. yeah. He is so me, good. I mean, they've had... The Hellboy universe has had a, a phenomenal collection of artists. I mean, Mike has been f- fantastic in finding artistic collaborators. Um, I don't know that there's ever been a bad choice, but, but I, I do think Fagredo is, is one of the guys that's, that's oh, right yeah. at the top. Yeah, and Guy Davis uh, is so good. Yeah, definitely. Good. He and Guy Davis. Um, uh, 
So this is, uh, you know, by Dark Horse, as you might imagine. It's a hardcover um, original graphic novel. Like I said, it's called The Midnight Circus. And it's uh, it's just a, a short little, almost a novella, I would say. It's um, it's it's roughly 50 pages. It's either 50 or like 52 pages. So it's roughly two comic book issues in a little hardcover. Um, and it takes place in 1947. So, again, for those familiar with the Hellboy universe, you would know that's when uh, it's Kid Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's probably a year or two after they found him or just a few years after they found him. So they're still not, you know, they're kind of a house divided. Some of the, the, the people at the BPRD are convinced that, you know, he's it's, it's bad, bad, bad mojo to have him around. And, and of course, you know, then, then you know, he, he obviously has his, his benefactors that, that disagree. And one night, because he's just a mischievous boy, he, he sneaks out when no one's paying attention and he's wandering through the woods and he comes across a circus and, uh, it is, uh, a fantastical circus that, uh, may or may not be from hell. And, you know, it, uh, you know, a little adventure ensues and I don't want to get too much into what transpires within the circus or what, what the circus is all about. Cause like I said, it's only a 50 page work. So it would kind of give it away. Um, you know, the, 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 the journey is, is short and sweet in this case. Um, but what I really liked about it are, are, first of all, it's, again, it's nice seeing Fagredo, uh, you know, do this, this, this universe and he always does it justice. And it's this beautifully, beautiful painterly style that he's doing in this book, uh, looks fantastic. And, um, it's got this very, um, this is stories, it got this, this otherworldly feel to it, kind of almost reminiscent to me of, um, the, uh, winchless Pinocchio book that I really dug and recommended, you know, about two years ago. Um, you know, this, this kind of almost like Dante's circus type of feel, you know, uh, just, just really crazy stuff going on. Uh, you know, and circuses can be freaky in general. So you can imagine what a circus in the helper universe might be like. Um, uh, it's really well-timed. I wish I'd gotten it maybe two weeks ago when I was vibing on the horror stuff for Halloween. It's a perfect Halloween little vignette. Um, and it's it's self-contained, you know. Again, I mean, I, I don't know even if this does fit into any particularly key point of the Hellboy mythos, you know. But but from my perspective, you could never have read Hellboy before, and you know this this just does its own, it, you know, stands on its own. Um, if I had a if I had a complaint about it, it would be that it's about fifty pages long. Okay, and it's uh, it's fourteen ninety nine cover price. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's not a lot. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Like I mean, again, from a, a value perspective, I don't know that it's. I mean, even with a discount, it's probably ten, eleven bucks for you know effectively two comics. So it's you know it's not egregious, but it's 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 not exactly like you're you're not coming away with this like you're getting a you know a full trade where you're getting five or six issues. So you know, buy or beware there. But but again, I think for the quality of the work and uh, especially the art, it it's I don't definitely don't feel like I got jobbed on that front. So uh, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, this is this is definitely something to file away if you're looking for a uh, if you're just in the mood to read you know a little horror story or, or something. Uh, this this would kind of fit into that, and um, definitely, if our listeners have read it or are familiar with it, if, if if it does have some kind of grander significance within the Hellboy mythos that I just am not aware of because I you know I haven't been as up to date on that, then by all means let, let us know. But uh, but to me, it just sounds like a little sort of side pocket, mm-hmm. you know, standalone that that fits into the timeline because it happens all in one course of one night. But uh, it, good stuff, definitely good stuff. Cool. I've been reading the uh, the Baltimore. Uh, novel the the prose oh, okay, novel yeah. mm-hmm. which is which is neat it's uh, you know just kind of a little side 
you know, once again, all, you know, pocket universe that, uh, Mignola and, uh, what Christopher Golden created. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all good stuff. Mm hmm. Mo's deaf. <laughs> it very much is. Um, did you guys read Velvet? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. For the first issue, yes. Yeah. Awesome. I, yeah, I, um, I, I think the last time I really, um, enjoyed or or was so into acting art was like early on in the Brubaker Captain America run. I, I haven't seen much from Steve Epting in in past couple of years that I'm that I can recall quickly. Um, I thought I I enjoyed the tone, the mood. Um, I, I want to see. I want. It's one of those. The first issue ended, and I immediately wanted to read the next chapter because it, it, it just, I, it didn't feel like it. Um, it didn't feel like the brew baker that I'm, I'm familiar with from Captain America, from, from criminal, mm-hmm. from fatal. And it, 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 um, it was nice. It was, it, it, it took me a second to remember that Ed Brubaker wrote this and, and it, it was, I was able to, um, Remember that? Stuff, yeah. Well, but I was able to remember that Brubaker wrote it because Epting drew it, and and they're just like it's Brubaker and Phillips. You know, Brubaker and Epting kind of go hand in hand with me, and uh, and right, right. and I, I I think they were a great team on this. It, it's different from um, from other things that I've seen from both of them, but but I I'm kind of into this world, and uh, and and yeah, no, I I, I definitely want to see the story play out. Cool. It's, um, I think, uh, since we're talking like Hollywood pitches tonight, the Hollywood pitch for Velvet would be if Money Penny, um, was an action adventure hero. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. uh, wh- which is actually, uh, very consistent with the, uh, with the new canon of the, that's of the what film. I was going to say. It's kind of well, like yeah, a Bond film, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. if Money Penny didn't decide to, to, to relegate herself to a desk, and yeah, this is what she'd be. And she is, she is a, She's a badass yeah. operative and, and underestimated. Yes, and <laughs> and as you can, you know, you could see in ni- what nineteen seventy three, um, uh, Britain as a as a as a former, uh, you know, and now middle aged female agent who who had gone to a desk job, uh, how she would uh, how she would be underestimated. So yeah, it's it's neat. It's a it's a nineteen nineteen seventies um um spy action thriller and it's uh um it's Brubaker who is now a KG veteran uh I guess in the industry and uh and Epstein who's awesome and uh yeah it's 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 really good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit too, and I agree with what you said, David. I think that uh, it's—I've never disliked Epting, but I, I definitely think that uh, his style is such that some of the works he's been put on uh, or, or chosen to do, I should say, haven't I thought been as great a fit for his style in the last few years. Okay, um, and I think that this this is more in his wheelhouse. You know, I think that uh, this is this is the kind of comics I, I like to see Epting do. And, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, where the story goes, because because uh, you know, I don't. I mean, it's always tough to judge from one issue, but but I I, I definitely thought that uh, she was an engaging character. Um, I, I totally love the idea of a 
heroin that's that's not you know twenty, you know that that's yeah. not like professionally twenty. I mean, she's got to be in her her early forties at least, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if not yeah. even older, um, which is really cool. Uh, and you know, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it's it's sort of like a, a very excellent setup issue for what could be a pretty cool espionage story. So, yeah, um, you know, it's 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 just a, a, an, another in the long line of, of just excellent works coming out of uh, of image right now. Just yeah. Uh, they're doing they're, they're doing some great doing fantastic stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yep. They're just letting people letting people do what they want to. What, what do you guys ask? think this eleven eleven announcement is? Oh, are they doing an eleven eleven announcement? Yeah, they put some big teaser out like eleven eleven for image, I don't but uh <laughs> the rest of Unity. I mean Image United. Oh, oh wow. That's funny. It's <laughs> good for you. That's messed up. Way to remember. Never oh, forget, David. Never, Never forget. Image United. Yeah, I said that. Oh, he's he's good people. I get a text from every every great once in a while. More about food than uh, than uh, than comics. Yeah, Charlie Trotter. Did you guys see that? Does that does uh, and that's a question. Does that is that kind of a thing outside of Chicago that uh, Charlie Trotter died? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's a thing for anyone that's a foodie because I've followed lots of chefs on twitter and facebook and they're all been lamenting it yeah that was um that was fucking shocking yesterday it was like i called my wife it was like honey charlie trotter is is dead and and she was just like shut up and, uh, what threw me was that it was a fireman who reported the death and they did that, that so well the story trying to find out uh, it was so, so what happened it was his son that found him unconscious and i think okay. that they they then called Nine one one, and okay. so it was probably those were our first responders. Those were the first responders. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was. A, this is you know for people that don't know and probably don't care. Uh, Charlie Trotter was one of the you know, real reasons that you know. There's probably no top chef without Charlie Trotter. It's it. He was one of the people that was at the forefront of of developing what we think of as modern american of, of modern american cuisine mm-hmm. of kind of moving past french style cuisine and and the the big ticket you know four star restaurant stuff the michelin stars of of the united states were kind of you know spearheaded um, the modern the modern you know uh, restaurants anyway by Charlie Trotter and and the people of 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 his kind of ilk. So especially in Chicago, he is in this town. He's the guy that kind of put Chicago on the map as a culinary town. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was really um, kind of shocking. You know, when it, um, he shut his restaurant down last year, and it's really because a lot of the people that he mentored and and kind of um shepherd on and you see this in comics too so i'm going to keep it uh um, i'm going to keep it in the comics realm you'll see people that will shepherd along new and upcoming talent and then all of a sudden you're like oh well the guy that that 
is is doing this now is probably for me anyway better than the guy that was mentoring him and i think that happened with trotter and like guys like grant Ackett's Grant Ackett's and Graham Elliott, and you know, there's there's a a long list of them that uh, that are now kind of considered some of the best chefs in America. Came through Trotter's Trotter's Kitchen, so uh, that's probably an interesting subject. If we if we take that to comics, who are some of the guys that have mentored writers or artists and brought them along that you think have now kind of surpassed? You know, have, have become the Darth Vader's. Have have now, have now uh, 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 surpassed the the teacher. Mm. Um. Wow. Um. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't think of modern comics as being about mentorship too much. I mean, I know. Oh, I think I know guys like Johns have brought a lot of people in, but I can't say that any of them have surpassed have him. Surpassed him, yeah. Um. You know, you look at you look at the at the you know, Bendis for, for as much shit as I give him has I he think, brought in Brian Reed, right? Well he's done more than brought in you know, uh Reed. Uh you know, I think I think Bendis was was one of those guys because he came from Image. And I think that he was one of the guys that, that really, really pushed Marvel to uh um kind of cultivate talent and bring talent up from um and it it sounds terrible to say bring up from but to bring talent over from the image i think that um and i may be wrong i think that he was probably pretty instrumental in in getting a hold of brubaker um in in and bringing kind of like that next wave of folks and then you look at brubaker it's like he was he was there working with matt fraction on on iron fist you know that was kind of the yeah the I, I agree with all that. The, I mean, the, 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 the Hickman connection as well with Shield, but like sure. I guess I don't I don't know that I, I I guess I view that as mentorship per se. Like I mean I think like Bendis and his peers, Bendis was aware of of Hickman's work and thought mm-hmm. let's I think he he should get a shot at Marvel, but I don't know if that makes him like a to me like I think mentor is someone that like you in, you know you sort of apprentice under you they teach you the craft. Well, you know okay, well I would look at, at Fraction as being um like Sterling me- Gates was was a you know like like Jeff Johns, Johns mentored yeah. Sterling Gates. I mean he yeah, got into business, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Sterling was was what John's personal assistant. Right, exactly. Um but you know you look at uh you know like Brubaker and Fraction. You know they worked together on Iron Fist, and I think that was, you know, very much Brubaker kind of bringing Fraction along. But you know, Fraction also had connections with with you know Warren Ellis, and so I think I think Fraction is a guy that has been has been mentored along for most of his career. Do you think he's Do you think he's arrived? Do you think that that Fraction stands on his own? And you know that was that was kind of the big um, maybe trip. That uh, and and I, and I mean that as a, as a trip and fall of fear itself is that is that Marvel handed handed Fraction a big event and I don't know if commercially it was successful but from a fan perspective and and critically it was it was very ho hum. Well, I listened to a Fraction interview. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was Suntress uh, a couple months back, and he he freely admitted that a few months ago he well not uh, earlier this year he thought his career was over really which which he said you know obviously in retrospect that's that's him being a manic artist and you know a manic creator and and you know everything's always the best or the worst but you know he because he said you know he was 
you know, he felt like he was on a, a streak of, of having stuff that wasn't well received and he was feeling disconnected from it. And, uh, you know, and, and he was saying this from a place of where he's done a complete 180. He was, you know, saying this very much in the rear view mirror and that he felt great about where he was now and that, you know, things were back on the upswing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, I think again, this is kind of a natural, I think we've seen this path so many times, right. And, and even, I mean, um, I, it doesn't necessarily even reflect in their work, but you see this, this kind of, um, there's this settle there's this period of settling in this new life where these guys strive to to you know to, to theoretically their their goal is to to make a living in comics to get mm-hmm. their name out there to to work for the you know the big two and then and then they realize um uh it's almost like a cycle a life cycle they strive to get there then they get there and they're very uncomfortable in their own skin <laughs> what do I then, do now? Then, then they then they start actually getting some success at at the big two right mm-hmm. and then they and now we're seeing a lot of these guys now are, are like not or now only they've kind of got that figured out and now they're actually emboldened to go back out and do their own stuff again and and you're seeing that all over the place right i mean that's the one of the reasons why i think image has been making such a big splash because you've got brubaker and remender and hickman and and fraction and all these guys saying yeah yeah we we got this marvel thing locked down but we're gonna go do our own stuff too mm-hmm. again and um you know we saw it with remender i mean you know, I think we even had him on the show, and and he he was you know very I think uh, noticeably you know um, uptight like when he first got the Marvel. Um, yeah, very and, much and, so. And then he was sort of back to being Rick, you know, after maybe six months when he got kind of past the jitters of like, holy shit, I can't screw this up. You know, like this is my and he realized like not like am I not going to screw it up, but I can I, I got this and I can do my own stuff. And you know, you saw it with Jeff Lemire right at DC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think. You know, we've had Jeff on the show a few times, and I think if you listen to the time he was on right before he joined DC, I mean, he was always such a huge DC fanboy that this was like a dream come true. But he too, I mean, he was very nervous. He didn't want to, you know, he wasn't his normal sort of. I, 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 I think that I think that those guys kind of develop these, and, and admittedly so, and I would probably be exactly the same way. I think they develop split personalities. There's, uh, there is, you know, independent Jeff and corporate Jeff and independent Rick and corporate Rick. And whenever they're, I think it becomes very difficult for them to separate, you know, who they were and who they are and, you know, working for, you know, let's say what they are working for a corporation, you know, whenever you're at image, I doubt if you get company wide fucking memos on how you, on how you should present yourself in an interview, you know, and I'm not saying that they do that at Marvel or DC, but they do send out company wide memos about shit, you know? So it's right. Um, and, and exactly. And, and I think the point here is that I think a lot of them have gone through it and then most of them, come out of it like they they you know it's just a natural settling in it's like anything else you when you're a kid you started a new school when you're an adult you start a new job you know you move to a new town you you know there's a feeling out period like you said this is for a lot of these guys the first time they're playing sort of like in a, a corporate setting and it's not even so much like it, to me it's it's as much for them about you know when you're doing your own stuff i mean not only can you but you're you're emboldened to say everything you can about a book to make it so you're, you're trying to tease entice make people aware to lure them in to give them teasers to 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 give them revelations about why your book's different whereas when you're at the big two especially for your first time you know at the rodeo you know you're being bombarded with you know you can't talk about this until it's press release you know you got to check what you know you're, you know you, this is a, this is our big event this summer you're not allowed to mention it until we tell you you can at San Diego you know and that's got to be overwhelming for these guys because they're not only thinking about whether they can talk about their own books but they're also 
all of a sudden privy to what's going on with other books and mm-hmm. and they can't talk about that either and it's just it probably makes them i think understandably oh, they uncomfortable be, yeah, they skin be it for a while and then shell-shock. but again then they find the equilibrium then they realize like okay yeah i can talk about this or i can tease this without giving it away or yeah this is okay to talk about or i don't know if, you know like it's just it's just a i think a natural acclimation period right i mean i just think it's totally natural i mean i know we're getting far afield from your original question about yeah. mentorship but yeah. but uh, I, I do think it's a fascinating component well, of of the business. Know, one of the things that I think that that comics is is sorely missing these days is the the mentorship of established editors bringing talent along. And you know, one of my one of my favorites is you, know, you guys know that I'm a huge Greg Rucka fan, and, and and he's one of my favorite writers. He will, you know, he'll tell you that that Denny O'Neill was very much a, a mentor to him in comics. That you know, Greg was a writer before he got into comics, but I think that Denny O'Neill was very much a um, a mentor and and a leadership figure to to Greg. You know, Denny was still running the the, the bat office from and from an editorial standpoint whenever whenever he started writing there and. You know, I look at I look at other editors from very much from the outside. We don't know what goes on on the inside, and there are very few editors that that I see as being um, concerned about bringing new talent along. I think that that mantle has been passed to. Uh, to who you would you know consider kind of the 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 lead writers or to use the the Marvel bullshit term the architects of uh, of of the company it's like okay well you guys are the are the are the five you know key names as far as writers so you know what other you know who who should we bring along I don't see that happening from editorial anymore you know it's when was the last time that you saw a guy like you know tom brevoort say you know this is you know this is a a fresh new talent that you know that we need to to pay attention to or or you know bring someone along and like i said we don't know what goes on behind the scenes but Mm -hmm. i think for a long time in comics it was the the archie goodwins and and denny o'neill's of the of the industry that would bring talent along and i don't see that kind of veteran leadership from from editorial like like it you know through rose colors rose colored glasses maybe i i think it, it used to be at the at those companies i mean one guy that as we're talking just comes to mind is uh wills portastio's had a huge influence in bringing along a, a group of guys you know probably the most prominently being lionel you right. but yeah because you know, he, he actually went out to the philippines to sort of start that second Filipino revolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there's lots of guys currently in the business now that, uh, that came out of that, you know, from, uh, Angulian to, to you, to a bunch of others. But, but I, so, I mean, that's a guy that definitely yeah. mentored these, these kids when they were literally, you know, teenagers and taught them the business. Mm-hmm. So now, now I, you know, I do see a guy, um, you know, and I keep coming back just because everything, every book that he edits, you know, I look at, and I'm just like, wow, that's, that's a, it's a great book, and he is uh, very much a common, you know, uh, the common denominator through it is Will Dennis, who I think he, everyone that I've ever talked to that has worked with him um, says that he is a fantastic editor. And I don't know if he has that that mentorship 
um, you know, ability to him, but he seems to work with you know a lot of a lot of younger talent and and do some some pretty amazing work. And he mm-hmm. seems to be one of those common names that it's like if it's you know if Will Dennis is editing a book, it's probably going to be a pretty damn good book. So it's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I mean, you guys think of any other, you know, editors that roll off your tongue as far as, you know, uh, well, I think Karen Berger, I mean, she's, well, yeah, but she's, but she, she she's gone. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, yeah. right. I'm saying, but she, she, that, was, that's, she, was, she wasn't gone to be, you know, yeah. just a couple months ago. So I'm yeah. saying she, she did, she, she did okay with that gaming guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I, I did get the first issue. I haven't read it yet, but did you guys, uh, Oh, the new Sandman. Yeah. No, but, but I heard a nice NPR interview. Overture. Yeah, no, it looks it's gorgeous. Like Vince said, I, I did page through it uh, this week just to, uh, as I was going through my my pile. Uh, it's 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 a gorgeous one. I I'll be curious to see if I can follow along with it since I, I haven't read much Sandman. But but uh, yeah, definitely I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna let them all collect and then I'll read it all. But uh, it's it's pretty. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. It should be. Yeah. I mean, J.H. Williams and, and Gaiman doing Sandman. Hello. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Is this the first time Williams did Sandman under Gaiman? I think so. But I'm, okay. Don't quote me. That's uh, call Mario. He's Mr. Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. By the way, how about, um, I don't think we've talked about it on the show. I know I've talked to him about it um, one-on-one, but, but how about Scotty um, calling it a day with uh, Oz? About damn time. Yeah. <laughs> About damn time. It is. He's been on it for, what, six fucking six years? years. Yeah. Hell of a run, man. Yeah, great run. Hell of a run. Yeah. It, congratulations. And his I, his post about it was really cool. To, I mean, he, was, he started doing Oz whenever he was co-hosting or sitting in with Around Comics. Yeah. That was a long damn time ago. You know, it's, and, and I remember, I remember him talking about his decision to do it and it was not an easy decision for him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, he's stayed very, um, he's been very smart because, you know, through the covers and, and, and different, you know, little spots, you know, here and there, he is, um, he stayed relevant in the comics community, in the comic community. And obviously he's, he's very active on Twitter and, and, you know, in, in social media and he markets himself very well, but there was a big fear at the time of working on, on a, you know, something outside of, of Marvel's, um, you know, capes and cows and, and all that. So, uh, you know, I, I think in retrospect, a very good career move. And now I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him, uh, move on and do something. Do something else. Uh, definitely, definitely. He. Uh, I mean, look. He's. A, I have no doubt he's going to be uh, amazing at whatever is coming on next. Oh, yeah. I know what's coming up next, like, but I don't think we're allowed to say so. Oh. But yeah, he's. Uh, he's, he's I don't yeah, definitely know what's coming up. He's, uh, next. Oh, he's smart. It's, it's great. I know he's my kids. Guy. You know, look, my kids have. Um, you know, my kids have adored all of the books. Uh, you know, all the Oz work. It's. Uh, you know, Scotty's probably one of the few names that they know in comics, like without you know, because they just they, they know the Oz books so well, and uh, and in a lot of ways, um, you know, Oz is, is sort of was one of the one of the first pages of printed comics I ever bought was uh, was a page from the one of the first issues of Oz. Nice, uh, and that created a monster. So I guess I, uh. I can thank Scotty for 
the uh, obscene amount of money that I've spent on original art over the years now, too. I'm actually I'm looking at my page right now. I have the the very first page with the uh, the Wicked Witch. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of my favorite one of my favorite comic pages that I own. No doubt. Yeah. So congratulations, Scotty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. What else are you bitches reading? Um, Velvet was good. Um, what do you think about Infinity Five, dog? Oh, you guys. Okay, that's my cue to go get a, a refill. Oh, even though I'm getting a little um, a little slurry, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was. Um, it. Pretty much each issue of, of Infinity is better than the one previous. Uh, I, it, it, it was, um. Think they're gonna stick to landing? I, I do. I, I have, um. Well, you tell me because you've, you've seen Hickman finish more work than I have. So <laughs> how did, how did Fantastic Four and FF end? Well, they, I, I think, I think uh, in both cases they uh, uh, they ended better than you know the the journey you know again I think his he's at his best when he's fin- when he's tie- tying up long form stories you know when he's when he's t- weaving these multi year tales that right. pay off at the end I mean I think that uh, so really well now um, you know I, now that that being said I wouldn't say that every one of his like creator own miniseries I've thought have ended particularly well I mean some have right. been fantastic like nightly news but I don't know that they've all like I think a few have petered out a little bit, but but you know that, I think that's fairly natural for a guy that writes a lot of stories. Um, I, I mean, I if I'm betting on it, I'm betting that that we 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 end with a bang. I think he's been killing it. I but I just uh, you know I, it wouldn't be the first Marvel event that we've enjoyed up until a certain point. And then we're like, what? Right? Yeah. Or yeah. or it's just it's, it's a segue into something else that comes next. And to be right, and to be fair, I mean, I know this is issue five of six issue limited series, but. He's also done, you know, the New Avengers and the Avengers books at the same time. So this is what, like the, like thirteenth or fourteenth issue in the event. Something yeah, like that. yeah. So yeah, so I mean, from that perspective, I mean, he's he's you know more than ninety percent of the way there. So the 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 ending of each issue always seems to come quickly to me because I'm 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 all I'm all in it. And then we get to the moment I turn the page and it's like, or I swipe the screen, and then it's 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 like you know the beat to continue. And I was like, oh, I was just you know I, I was in a groove and and everything. I mean, and there, I think, I think it was done really well in the sense that you know Opeña is taking care of the space scenes, and and Weaver is taking care of the Black Bolt and those Earth scenes, and and uh, and it, it just they they work well together. Um, and nothing really seems to be disjointed or confusing. I think, um, you know, you, you have the occasional cap speech, uh, mm-hmm. but, but overall, um, you know, I think it, it really does feel like it's, I don't know. See, I, I, I wish, I wish I read the Kree Scroll War when that was coming out in issue form, mm-hmm. because I, I wonder if, if this kind of feels like that, like you know, there's just something, there's something greater out there, and this is, I mean, and the fact that we're seeing, we're seeing races that I haven't seen in a while, and I know that that Hickman used them in, in the Fantastic Four run, um, but you know, and and there are moments where 
you know, this planet has fallen, this planet has fallen. But then you have, you know, there have been some casualties with the fighting back and the wars. And overall, it's just, this is one event that I look forward to rereading. And and with all the, with with the Avengers and New Avengers and, and I, I take my time with each issue because it's, Every page is beautiful, but the uh, and and sometimes the words get in the way because I think again, uh, Opania and and Weaver, I think they're doing a great job telling the story visually, um, and uh, I just yeah, I, I thought the fifth issue was was really really good, and I think the uh, and and I, I know what you said about Avengers twenty two, I think um, I think that issue. Um, while it felt like a, a setup, I think you had that moment with Thor and Manifold, which I thought was just amazing. Uh, especially, you know, Thor walks in and he goes, yeah, you know, I, 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 I love Steve and Carol dearly. And, and, you know, I'd go to Alan back for him, but they couldn't be more wrong. And, you know, you have every right to be scared. And, and, and it was just, there are some great moments where, yeah, it's a huge war. There's a big fight going on. Uh, but you have these these little moments off to the side with these characters, and and um, there was an event. Oh, with uh, like with with Sam and and Izzy, the, the Smash. Yeah. By the way, Falcon spacesuit. It looks like he's straight out of a uh, the, the the Falcon like like the space armor. It's like it's uh it's it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like straight out of like a Japanese cartoon, I think. Oh wow! Then <laughs> it's no, I I um. I, I really can't find anything aside from getting to that last page and going, wow, that I, I didn't want it to end. Aside from that, I, I have no complaints with Infinity. Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, all the artists involved have been phenomenal. I think it's been really well paced. Like you said, there's been stuff happening in every issue. It's been action packed. Uh, there's been a lot of different layers of protagonists and antagonists, and they you can see how they're kind of uh, coalescing for the big payoff. Um, you know, I, I would say I'm a, I'm a little surprised at, at how little we've seen and know of Thane so far. Um, mm-hmm. we, we don't have much left, so I'm wondering if like Thane kind of has like his heroic, or maybe not heroic, I don't know, but his moment in um, in the final issue, and then maybe we get more of him sort of in the uh, inevitable outcropping, like post, right? Post, uh, you know, um, uh, Infinity, like Marvel. I don't know. Maybe that's where they're going with this. I don't. I don't quite know. But uh, I'm excited to find out. I uh, I will say that uh, it's pretty cool to think about, you know, how the premise of the story was that, you know, the Earth had been such a pain in the ass for everybody that they were all like, "Fuck it, let's just leave them." Like nobody nobody mess with Earth anymore. Like they're just, you know, we, they're just a total. And now all of a sudden, you know, like these these seemingly insignificant Earth beings are, you know, at the epicenter of getting all these planets to stand up for themselves. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know. I I, I could have done uh, without the Iwo Jima moment, but but that's a minor nit, <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, I was like, oh, look at that flag. That was uh, okay. That that was obvious, but I, I was I was pleased, um, very much so. I, I, I was so very pleased to find out that it, I think it was in Avengers twenty one, where it was right after Infinity number four, mm-hmm. when um, when when Thor makes his big moment. Um, and everybody is left on uh, on Hal, and, and they're all praising Thor, and 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 Ronan the Accuser is up there, and everybody's all 
all getting to move forward. And then I read Avengers 22 and I see uh, the Supreme Intelligence and, and how his his cage is all cracked and he's dying and, and the technicians are working on it. And I'm like, oh, please, please. I see that page and my first reaction is, please don't let this have played out in some little tie-in that I haven't read. Oh, right, and as, yeah. And as I turn the page, we see the flashback because the, the Supreme War is like, well, this was futile. I don't know why you guys did that. You done just fucked up. And and then all of a sudden, um, yeah, Ronan's just like, well, you can shut up. And it was just, and I was like, thank you for just having it play out here like this and, and the way he explained it. And, and that's another thing where I'll give Hickman credit. You know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like he needed to have a flashback or because we didn't see it happen in real time. We could have. He mm-hmm. could have picked it up right from the end of Infinity Number Four, but we're it, it's fast moving. We we we're, we're getting beyond. I have no idea how long. That's why I want to reread it. I don't know how long they've been in space. I don't know how many hours or days this has this has spanned. But it's it it's fast. And. Yes. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought I was on mute. Sorry, uh, but it was. It's just been. Um, no, I. I it, it's it's a breakneck pace. It's uh, and and Hickman. There are so many characters, and again, I'm just reading Infinity and the two Avengers books. So uh, I, there's just so many characters that Hickman is, is writing and playing with here, and I don't. I there really hasn't been a misstep. Now, do you think we will see? Uh, like Starbrand and you know Nightmask and the like, like an ex Nihilo. Do you think you think we'll see them stick around the books, or do you think you know they'll kind of go off into the sunset? I don't think they'll go off into the sunset. I um, I don't want. Well, I mean, they've these are character. Well, ex Nihilo, anyway, since the first issue of Avengers, but I. I don't. I don't think Infinity would be their swan song. I don't. I, it. It wouldn't feel right to me unless you know it plays out spectacularly. It wouldn't feel right to have Nightmask and Starbrand show up in a random issue of Avengers for a couple of issues, just to have a couple of moments of of action in Infinity, and then that's it. I. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to see them fleshed out. Agreed. Especially since you know they've they, they've toyed with they've mentioned other universes and 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 we don't even need to see the other universes. I want DP seven player, dude. I'll I'll take DP seven. I'll take I'll I'll take night mask. I'll take this night mask. I'll take star brand. Uh, I might not take Merc or Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, what but about justice. I as long as he doesn't look like Bruce Willis anymore, I'll take <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take Justice. Yeah, no, nice. could, that, that, that'd be neat. But uh, what about Cyborg? No. Cyforce. Cyforce. Uh, Cyforce. That might be neat. That might be neat. But I'll it was, it, it, it's, it's, I'll take oh, the pit. I'll oh. take it all. <laughs> oh, I miss DP Seven. Me too. The, I love uh, DP Seven. Uh, that Paul Ryan artwork. Man, oh, no, I love it. It was I, I really funny. I was you know, I was from 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 jump I was all about the the, the new universe and, and those eight issues those eight first issues bought them all you had Gray Morrow art in the first issue of Mark Hazard Merck and it was it was I 
I stuck with the ones I enjoyed. And, and as much as, you know, Night Mask was such a rip off of Dreamscape. It was... But still, you know, I, I really... Okay, kudos to Shooter for trying something else. But uh, it was ahead of his time, I guess. But, um, yeah, no, it was... Uh, but the fact that I was able to stay surprised when when I got to that issue in Avengers, and I was like, you shut the front door. When when, when that big, when that reveal happened, mm-hmm. I was like, see, all right, so I'll just, I'll, I'll shut up about Hickman for a little bit. That's what I was going to say. So, like, does, does your enjoyment of this, and presuming it, you know, it ends on a strong note, does this, will this make you rethink some of Hickman's prior works, or was this more likely just to let you more willing to try the next Hickman thing? I will definitely be trying the next Hickman thing. It, it, um, my eyes have been, I guess, open. I'll, 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 I've been, this moved up on the list for me to finally get around to reading Fantastic Four and FF. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm still not a huge fan of Nightly News. Uh, it, and that, it, that, that's one book hmm. where I think I, yeah, I, th- I think the hype kind of just overplayed it for me. I, I, I was, I, I read it and I was all psyched for it. And I was, I was digging it, but something just, I, I just, I didn't see. It where. was so different than anything else it that was being was. published at the time. Absolutely. And that, that's one thing that, you know, I don't think that Hickman is always successful. Um, but one of the things I respect about him is that he's never afraid to try something new and push something. He's always thinking, he is, a really, really smart guy, and he's always willing to push comics in directions that that they haven't gone before. And there was there was a, probably the majority of his comics career he could have and probably should have been out making more money, uh, working in advertising or design or or whatever because he's so darn talented. Um, but He's not afraid to try stuff, and I, I no, respect absolutely. that. I, right. I totally respect it. Not always with success, right? But it's not for lack of of trying. As like I said, I, I I haven't finished Secret Warriors. I, I read I think the first arc of that, and I, I dug it. I didn't stop reading it because I was dissatisfied. I just there were other things going on, and I didn't I didn't finish that. Um, I enjoyed what I read of Shield. Um, but uh yeah no i just i i have no and, and you know you know how much i love east of west so th- there are definitely hickman books that uh that and and, and manhattan projects what i've read of that i've really enjoyed i'm 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 a little bit behind on that so i um i i've tried and and since i started fantastic four when he took over um, but it was just slow going for me. And I finally was just like, I, I had enough. So, I mean, I've, I've definitely, he's, he's, he's a writer who I have read probably, I mean, I'd have finished it all, but I've read probably everything he's, he's worked on. Mm-hmm. So I just, there are just things that, that, that whether it's just the pacing or where he's going with it, I just may not be a fan of, but I, I, I got to practice what I preach there. I, I'm not going to just write him off sight unseen and, and, you know, be ignorant about it. I've, I've definitely given everything he's worked on a try. 
Well, have you? I forget. Have you? Did you read Transhuman or Red Mass or Pac-Man? No, thank you. That's right. Yes, that 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 was that that um, that little self-contained universe stuff of him from Image. I I did not read that. Yeah. And then actually, the only one I think I'm not up to date with, and it's uh, I was just reorganizing my regime pile, and uh, we got like the third or fourth issue of it after a long hiatus. Was a secret. By, uh, was he and Rod, Ryan Boddenheim, and like there was a huge delay between like the second and third issue. So I, uh, he kind of lost me on that one just because I, I totally forget. I oh, literally wow. forget the what happened in the first two issues, and on their, you know, I couldn't even begin to tell you where where in my stack they are. Those two issues. So, um, so I, I missed that one. But yeah, I, I mean, he uh, he likes to work with the same people over and over again too, which is cool. Like he he worked with uh, you know Patara obviously with Manhattan Projects, but they worked together on uh, on Red Wing first. And uh, and then similarly with with Secret, you know, it was Ryan Bodenheim, but they worked together on Red Mass, and um, so yeah, I uh, well, you know where I stand on him. I, I love him to death. Yeah. But, but you know, it's it's interesting because if he does stick the landing here, he'll be the first. Kind of getting back to what we were saying with like Fraction, he'll be the first of these, um, you know, for lack of a better term, architects that I think will have successfully pulled off the event. You, you know? think so? Well, I mean, he so far has pulled it off. Again, he has to stick the landing. But, I mean, again, I, I didn't much care for for Siege. I didn't much care for... for uh, Siege was so pretty. No, it looked great. I just I didn't yeah. care much for the story. It yeah, it right. didn't... It, it, Siege wasn't really... <laughs> who who would think that we would look back and say, yeah, Civil War was probably the last good event. I know. You know that was 10 years ago? That's oh, insane, Isn't man. that crazy? And it was 52, 52 yeah. was like almost 10 years ago, too. Jeez, it really? Wow. Make you feel old, right? Speaking of, you mentioned someone, David. Paul Ryan is another guy that deserves a creator spotlight. He's underappreciated, I think. He seriously is. I mean, between between DP Seven and and Fantastic Four, when um, after Burn left and and uh, Tom DeFalco wrote it, but he's right now he's um, he's working on the Phantom newspaper strip. Um, Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah, yes. I mean, he he did Quasar too. Remember Quasar? Yes, Uh, I was that was after that was after Capullo, right? Uh, What's it before? Well, he was the first. He did. I mean, he did the the initial of the '89 series. He was the original artist on it. So. Okay. All right. So then, Capullo yeah. came after. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. He did some Avengers. Some Avengers West Coast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no. He is. Yeah. He, he's. I mean, and he, I think he's um, Sean Pryor's favorite Iron Man artist of all time. That's legit. Mm-hmm. That that's interesting. Okay. Nice. I can. Yeah. I, I forget he did Iron Man. I think I think Byrne was writing that at the time. I think so. Oh, how neat! Um, I didn't know Byrne was writing and not drawing. Oh yeah, no Byrne. Oh, yeah. Byrne yeah. wrote Iron Man. I, for, I forget about that. Yeah, it was it was the um, it was the it, it was post teenage, but it was it was the Heroes Return Iron Man volume. So it was it was after Busiek had left, and and yeah, and Byrne had, had started writing it, but Paul Ryan was the artist um, or the penciler. The um, yeah, Ryan definitely doesn't. But I mean, it, 
and and Ryan's someone who who's still working. Whereas when I think of Paul Ryan, I also think of Bob Hall, who did the first West Coast Avengers miniseries. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, I mean, he, he worked. He, he did Avengers books. He, he worked. He was in Marvel heavy in, in the eighties. But I mean, after that, I, I don't. Once you had that that kind of kinetic style, that, that hyper style, that he, he kind of wasn't around mm-hmm. as much. Well, Ryan uh, went to Cross Gen, and I feel right. like that's where we kind of lost sight of him. Yeah, I'm not. You see, and I was. This is why. Okay, when when um when people were talking about the move to um for DC to move move out to LA, I. Whether the comics were better or not, I I miss, and I know it, it's not going to be it's not conducive to people like you know Chris Omni or Jeff Parker or or Scotty Young, you know people who were kind of they're not in the middle of nowhere, but they're not near, you know, they're not on they're not near New York City, and and I kind of miss the comics we got during the bullpen era when you kind of had to go to work and, and and go to the office and do your drawings and and make the comics that way and and I I, I kind of appreciate what Alessi was doing with CrossGen with having people move out to Florida having you go to the office every day and then I mean unfortunately it didn't it obviously didn't didn't work long term because people moved down there and were kind of either stuck down there, financial troubles down the line, and and uh, luckily Perez was able to. It was worked into his contract where he could go work on JLA Avengers while still working for CrossGen. But right. you had you had so many people who who just basically up and left and moved down there. Um, you know, Bart Sears is one that comes to mind, but but. Oof. You had you you had the people that down at CrossGen and and yeah and I didn't CrossGen is is really one publisher where I've read almost nothing from. Bye. Is that right? Oh really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh was, man, I loved Ruse. I fucking loved Ruse. Ruse was great. Yeah, yeah. and it was yeah it was, Perkins it was Perkins art in that. It's hard to read digitally because it's all it's all double page spreads. But yeah, yeah. But still awesome. Yeah, that's something I, I I may rectify eventually. I have to say I really liked almost all the cross gen, uh, and I actually cool. still own all the issues. I, I like Sigil. I, I dug uh, a lot. Um, I, uh, I I I I mean I dug Mystic not as much, but I definitely read it all. Uh, um, yeah, no, I was I was a big fan. I was definitely a big fan. They had some awesome creators, man. Yeah, they, they had did. A great creative oh, team. Yeah. When you look back on it, man, it really did. Yeah, I mean, Marco Lissi may have been a. Um, I've been a wise or a shrewd businessman. I mean, like I said, I don't know the financials. I don't know where it started to come apart. If he was not paying people, if if just the work environment wasn't feasible for everybody to maintain. But um, I, I kind of like, and I don't, I, I don't view it as as forcing people. But I just, I, I like it when collaborators. Are working together where you're not a phone call away, or you're waiting for someone to respond to an email because you have a yeah. question about a panel layout. If you can just walk two cubicles down and go, listen, this is what I'm drawing. Is this what you meant? Then I just I like that environment. And and um, well, really, like you said, I think before until up until the point where they started running out of money and weren't getting paid. I mean, most of the guys that were there have great things to say about what it was like. I mean. They they all said, it all sounded like it was pretty fun to work there when when times were good, uh, right? You know, like you said, in that collaborative environment, which 
you know, we don't really see much of anymore. Um, that's why I was cracking up. Like I've heard so much talk the last week or two about this, uh, this DC, you know, move, which I know we talked about last week, mm-hmm. but, but, um, I just think like, other than the, than the, the history of the fact that, you know, uh, comics have always been sort of grounded in New York. I, I think people like are overestimating it in the sense that, you know, it's such a collaborative environment now. I mean, I, I, how often do we talk to creators at cons and stuff and they, they've never even met the right. people that do the book with them. I mean, it was, um, even like, um, uh, Mark Laming and, you know, had never met Gabriel, you know, and they were going to meet at the con. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. how many people, like, uh, you know, but, but that's not unusual. I mean, you know, uh, it seems like, um, tons of people that, that are, we view as like inseparable pairs on books or, or trios have never even had, you know, had a chance to meet. I mean, uh, so it's just, uh, it's just different now, you know, it's different with, with the internets. The other thing cross gen did was, you know, digital coloring. I mean, they were really the forefront of that. Yeah. Yeah. They brought, they brought, well, digital, you know, digital comics, you know, from the production standpoint, anyway, Mm -hmm. um, they were, they were right there. It's, uh, um, I love the stories of, of like Joe Casada going, he and you know, uh, 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 Jimmy Palmiotti going to Marvel and handing them a comic on disc and saying, yeah, here's our comic. And they had no idea what to do with it. They're like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, those years, that's not that long ago. No. There was... It's not that long ago that that the big two were doing comics in the traditional you know, pay stops. And oh, dude, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like you, you know, in our, with our firm, you know, we do a lot of tech investing, and uh, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about like the pace of innovation accelerating. And uh, I was thinking about this like about ten years ago. I was at a tech conference, and Cisco is demonstrating just basically for the sake of showing what you could do with a big pipe internet that they were demonstrating the ability to stream like a studio quality HD movie from one city to where I think it was Atlanta where I was at to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the capacity and this and the networking hardware it took to do it was massive. Right. It was basically just like, Oh, look how cool this is. They could do this. And they were saying that like in a few years, you will you know, we'll have this in theaters and you would have digital movies in theaters, you know, and the dude think about it, like 10 years later now, like we are, we can all download a fucking HD movie on our yeah. device in like a minute. Like it's like a couple yeah. couple minutes, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's just I, I've I've been how, how much innovation has oh, happened in our. I, I've been at my at my company for you know less than ten years, and I remember talking with Sal early you know early whenever I started working there, and we're talking about streaming content, and I was like, you know, we're going to get to a point not that far down the road where we're going to be able to stream just about any TV show or movie that you want anytime, anywhere, and it will just be available. And I remember us having the conversation. He's like, Oh, you know, I just don't know if there's enough server space out there or if it's just, you know, if it will be available. And you know, those were legitimate concerns, but I mean, we are very, very close, very close to being, you know, anywhere in the world, you can on your phone dial up any TV show, movie, record, you know, recording in the history of, you know, the recorded history of the world and have it available to you. That it's is crazy. It's not so. It is. Yeah. And it's funny, too. It's a generational thing. The way, the way kids consume media is so different. Like, I um, actually was going to show my boys the uh, the Key and Peele East-West 
thing, David. <laughs> so uh, funny. I was like, yeah. and, and they, they, I was like, guys, I got to show you this thing from this show, Key and Peele. And uh, they had no idea that you know Key and Peele was a TV show on Comedy Central. But then I pull it up on on YouTube to show them. They're like, oh, these are the guys that did Substitute Teacher. Oh, I'm like you guys know? And they're like, oh yeah. They're like, oh, I didn't know it was a TV show. That's like so, so you know. But they and all their friends had seen these skits a ton of times on on YouTube. Sure. Sure. But they didn't realize that they didn't even real they, in their minds that they didn't had they had no idea it was actually like a TV show. To them, it was just funny stuff on YouTube, which yep. is no different than the funny stuff on YouTube that's only on YouTube. They had no concept of it being a Comedy Central show. Well, you know, it's 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 amazing to me because you know you, you guys you guys are, are privy to the stuff I'm doing uh, photography wise. That that is that's a, a big passion of mine and has been you know over the last you know three or four years I've I've really gotten into it. And and I was talking to uh, I was talking to a guy I was shooting a wedding last weekend, and he's a younger kid, you know, probably in his you know, early, mid-20s, just kind of getting into photography. And and he's just like, you know, what should I do? What kind of gear should I buy? Blah, blah, blah. And we, and we got into it. I was like, you know, the biggest thing is just hit YouTube. Watch. You know, there there is no way that I would have been able to have learned what I've learned in the last three years, like 15 years ago. I would be mm-hmm. I would be so far behind the curve if I was trying to self teach, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. Now, you know, I can you know, on breaks or lunch at work or whatever, or come home and you know, in my spare time, you know, I'm looking up videos on YouTube on different techniques or different gear or different, you know, this or that and it's it's become this amazing resource that if there's something that you want to teach yourself how to do, I mean, it's like literally, if you probably want to become a heart surgeon, you could mm-hmm. probably get a pretty damn good start on YouTube if you wanted to. And that is amazing to me. It, it's and especially anything like creative or, or like, you know, crafty skills based. It's fucking out there on YouTube. Yep, you can right. find it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me. You guys, I mean, well, Chris talking about the photography, or Jason was talking about his work. It, it, it was just interesting how it, this happened a few times today with, with a couple of things that I saw online and I thought about earlier. But I was thinking about today, and this has nothing to do with anything. But I was, I was, it don't, it didn't dawn on me. I think about this every so often. But the career that I, I stumbled into, I, I didn't prepare for what what the jobs the, the the job i had right before i started working at the college had nothing to do with what i do at the college i it was never on my trajectory i just it, it was it's just weird to me how everything plays out and i i don't know why today i was well while we were driving home that that i thought of that but it was just it was one of those weird things so mm-hmm yeah, the way that the, the sort of the life path, the way it all all winds, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, did, definitely. Did, did, so when when you were going to school, Jason, or how early did you realize that this is what you wanted to do? Huh. Um, pretty early. I mean, my buddies used to nick, my nickname was Alex P. Keaton, so I don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you know, that's it. I, I didn't, I didn't know uh, I was going to be a you know a hedge fund manager. I didn't know that that was, but I, you know, I always knew that I wanted to go to like business school and 
work on Wall Street, you know, long before I even really knew what that meant. You know, I didn't, you know, I had no idea if that meant I was going to be an investment banker, a trader, an analyst, you know, so I don't know, you know, I think like everybody, your, you know, your career can sort of take certain paths just because it kind of ebbs and flows that way. But, right. but, uh, but, you know, I think probably I'm a little bit of an outlier in that regard because, I mean, I was a fund manager by the time I was, you know, 24. So, you know, I kind of had a pretty clear idea that's exactly what I wanted to do and uh, have been doing it ever since. But, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, it's just, you, you never know how these things are going to go. I mean, right. you know, I mean, my dad was a cop, but he didn't become a cop because he had any grand ambition to. He became a cop because, you know, he, uh, he got out of the Navy and he, you know, he didn't make a living and like, it was almost, you know, it was like, what am I going to do? And he was a tough guy, <laughs> you know, it was pretty good <laughs> in a fight. And, uh, he, you know, it was like, well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, the police academies are hiring. And he just ended up becoming, you know, like no, See, no different than like going down to the, you know, the, the, the post office and applying for a job. You know, he, right. he became a cop because there was a job opening, you know. That, and that, I think that that's what most of the guys like in maintenance. It's like, it's like yeah, well, you know, I just I went and filled out the civil service exam. And, and that's what I, you know, that's what I was eligible for. And, and I figured, you know, the benefits were good. So it's just, but I... I, I I worked retail most of my aside from when I worked at the Fountainhead and was a busboy and a waiter. Aside from that, every other job I, I worked at a deli and I worked at a deli for a few different supermarkets. But that's all been retail. Didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I lost a uh, little bit of a fingerprint um, on a slicer cutting uh, roast beef, but the um, skin. That's not, yeah, co- that's not kosher skin. roast beef anymore. It was. It wasn't kosher. No, the uh, no. I've worked I, uh, for for finest for Grand Union for Stop and Shop. I, I worked behind a deli counter, and then and then I did retail at at at, at, at Top Client City, uh, Staples, Computer City when they were still around, CompUSA. So I mean, it was it was mostly. I thought retail was going to primarily be my future, and uh, and God bless my brother because. He, he's still working retail, and and I know it does take a. It, I couldn't still do it, and and it, it takes a special kind of person to have to put up with. I would with shoot the public. people. They, I would yeah, shoot no, people. and he's he's he has he has the mentality for it. He has the uh, the fortitude for it. So I mean, I'm 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 glad he can still do it with the flexible hours and dealing with those people and having to worry about the holidays and shit like that. But I, I've been spoiled after. A decade plus working where I'm working, and uh, and and it's it's completely different than what I did before. And it's this job I've had longer than any other job, and and uh, it it's been a wild ride. But it was it, it's nothing. That I'm 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 glad to do what I do. I'm I'm happy going to work. But it it had I didn't see this in my future when I was growing up. Nice. World be cray. So I've Word. got. Um, I want. I want to talk strategy with you guys. Okay. Oh, okay. So I have a Walking Dead page. Oh shit! That oh. I bought. As do I. And I, it's it's all Michonne all the time. It's actually it's, it's from first appearance, isn't it? No, it's not first appearance. It's it is it's issue forty eight, and it's the page. Even though Tyrese isn't on it, it's the page where she is killing the zombie Tyrese, and and so she's. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny because he's not a zombie on the show. So okay. So, but, it's, but in the comic, it's a, it's it's a big moment. She's so she's putting a katana through through 
through Tyrese and then sheds the the tear and wipes it away. It's a great page. It's one of my it's one of my favorite pages that it's I own. It's based on last week's episode. It's pretty good. Ah, la, 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 la. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> All right. So I've got this I've got this great Michonne page, and I actually posted it on Twitter. And I'm thinking because I want to buy a new camera. So did I post- you just buy a new camera? Yeah. But when you get when you sold the uh, other cover? Yeah. Hilarious. I know. There you yeah, go, right? dog. Right. That's his indoor camera. Well, (laughs) there are times whenever I'm shooting a wedding, I need to have two cameras. So, Uh um, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, So, speechless. So, so, so the question is, and and you guys, I think, have seen it. Is a what do you think I could get for it on eBay now? Uh, No idea. B is this? Are are we at? I'm trying to judge. I never can judge the high watermark of Walking Dead because every time I think that it's fucking topped out, it just reaches another fucking level, which is amazing to me. But are we reaching the top of the wave? Are we reaching the top of the wave with that character? Oh. Yeah, you know what, dude? I honestly have no idea. I mean, I'm curious, but I I don't honestly know what the... Secondhand market is for Walking Dead pages. I there, mean, I, there is there now. This is now, albeit okay. This is from her first appearance, and it's a it's a good page. It's a good page. It's it's there's no action to it, but um, the the her first appearance original art went for almost nine grand. Well, sure, but. Now then, another pa- another page from the same issue, so not her first appearance page, but still from the first issue, went for over eight grand. Right. So, it, you know, it's going to be less than that, obviously. But the other question is, you figure that this is like getting into the like Christmas season. When's a good time to put it on eBay? Uh, no better time than the present if you want to sell it. I would think. You think so? It's you know now yes. is now, now is the now is the time for giving. I would, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When's when when's the spinoff show supposed to start? Next next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They haven't even cast it yet or filmed it. Oh, yeah. okay. So I mean this. I mean I, I'm just kind of like talking like junk because I know a lot of people that listen sell stuff on eBay and 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 that kind of stuff. So you know th- there's a strategy to it of what time of the year you you want to put collectibles up and you know what what time you want your auctions to end and you know and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know if, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put it out there, you know I want to make sure that I'm doing it right because you know I'm only gonna be able to sell it once and this is out of all of the the silly stuff that you know silly uh, original art you know i'm that that i'm not holding my breath on that fucking queen and country movie so <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah so this is i the, mean i'm just looking here at recent um uh, a nice page with michonne I mean, it really depends. I mean, uh, a page sold yesterday with Michonne for four hundred and eighty bucks. Let's see, I'm just going down the list. Uh, One with Rick in the prison and Lori sold for two hundred and sixty. One with uh, a splash with Michonne. I'm seeing here sold on Halloween for four hundred and fifty. Yeah. Rick and Dale page sold for three fifty on Halloween. Um, uh, There's one with. uh, from, page, from issue 21 of 
Tyrese and Michonne in the prison um, that sold for 1300 Okay. Yeah. Um, just looking here. Just going down the list. For yeah, the first appearance sold for eighty one hundred. Um, uh, Rick and Carl Page sold for three hundred. Uh, so yeah, very. I mean, it very yeah, much. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's very very much. All Two over page the place. splash from issue fourteen sold last month for fifteen hundred. So yeah, dude, it's going to depend on you know the the the, the interest level. Yeah. I mean, I think Mich- Michonne is obviously a high interest character, so you know that which is a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, it could be kind of all over the place. So so we'll see. It's the, there's a page with the governor holding Michonne's sword here. I see that sold for eight hundred. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, it's all kind of all over the map. It's going to have yeah. to find the right. The, the the right buyer and all yeah that, that Walking Dead number nineteen is still is still hot though isn't it yeah I mean I think the the comics are there's a huge market for these comics I wish I I didn't own it all in trades I wish I'd bought the comics I, I I have never sold a comic but I would definitely if if anyone out there owns a first printing of Walking Dead and yeah you should I sell I don't it. know dude you should sell it I, I mean I I know you could always argue it's going to keep keep going up maybe it will but I mean, you're in the multiple thousands of dollars now, people. So that is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. I can remember like almost buying it too a couple times for like 200 bucks, and I'm like, ah, what the fuck am I going to do with this? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, here's a here's a here's a 9.4 that. Um, oh, what is it? That oh, okay. This is. I mean, this is one through 42, and and the first one is is CGC'd out. But wait, two grand. Yep. Jeez. That's that's nuts. I mean, that, we'll never see anything like this ever again as as comic fans. This is. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't say never just because. I don't. It, yeah. yeah. But, but it's not. Nah. It's, it's once in a generational type of thing. It's, it's, it's that I can't even. I can't remember anything in in my you know thirty years as a fan. That's what and, I mean. I mean, yeah. but you know, we're gonna hopefully all live for a good chunk of decades more. Yeah. So. It's an obvious yeah. thing. So yeah, no, I wouldn't. I I can't. In this day and age, I can't dismiss anything outright. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's it's a it's a humongous rarity. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah it's it's beyond it's beyond anything that. that I mean, I don't think it'll happen with superheroes anytime soon. But yeah, for something like I mean, it was just that was I can't even yeah no that was just that was crazy. Yeah, so interesting. It uh, it just continues to uh, continues to amaze, and uh, yeah. So I'm gonna try and uh, try and package that page up and buy a camera so we'll see <laughs> Let me yeah I, uh, uh, I love charlie and all but oh yeah it's yeah <laughs> if, I, it's, if i could put it this way if i could swap my current charlie adlard walking dead page for a busema avengers page or at least help me pare oh, yeah. down the cost of it i would do that in a oh, i think you could do that yeah, I think you could, you could find a, a dealer that would do that in a in a heartbeat. So I can only scan all my shit and put it on comic art fans, and I feel start getting somewhere. Uh, you're hurting me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the 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 Twitter people are making me excited here, so they're saying big bucks. I love how Chris is multitasking. The what? I love how Chris is multitasking. like live tweeting. No, I'm not live tweeting. <laughs> I was just I threw that out there while you guys were talking about Trinity. And yeah, I would argue that maybe eBay is not the best route to go here on this one. Personally. Really? Where, where do you think I should go? Well, I mean, I'm saying I don't. I mean, you're saying there's people on Twitter that are saying big bucks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's looking like eBay is not exactly the most liquid market for this stuff. So I, I, I'm thinking, I don't know. 
maybe talk to a dealer. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you sold your last cover through Comic Art Fans. Why don't you put it up on Comic Art Fans as for sale? Yeah, you know, that's that's I can do that. I can do that right now. You know, then you're going to get dudes that are like... I mean, the one thing you can be sure of is there are guys out there that are like just Michonne hoarders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, and, and they're going to be like, oh, I, any... any, You know, they're like the uh, pants of, of, of Walking Dead. You know, like, <laughs> two pages, like, like the, you know, a page comes up for with any kind of provenance and her on it, they're going to be like, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Okay. And money might not be an issue, you know? Uh, you could yeah. be like, well, my camera's... You know, sixteen hundred bucks. I'll get, you know swap it for. And he's like, ah, oh, done. You know who knows? You never yeah. know, right? You yeah. never. And it's not. I'm just no, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm looking saying, like Canon five D Mark three, bitches. Um, I'll tell you what, what's um um we we can carry this over next week and and I will update people and uh and people you can you can go to the the forum and give me some advice on on this episode thread about how I should go about selling my uh, my. Uh, Walking Dead page, and then you can head over uh, to uh, uh, to the Monkey Room and talk photography in uh, in uh, our, our threads there. Which you David, have, you own a camera store and like Walking Dead art. Maybe you can swap with Chris. Yeah, no. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, David, where where can people find the forum? They can find the forum Internet. at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com/forum. Outstanding. And um, this episode of Eleven O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. That's uh, DCBService.com. Uh, you heard about it at the top of the show. You can uh, uh, go and get great comics and, and pre-order them and save lots of money, and then buy camera equipment, and then go out and buy original art, and then watch it skyrocket in value and then sell it and buy more expensive camera equipment and it's all because of DC com- comic book service. It's it's great. It's awesome. Do it. Um, yeah, in your travels. Um, Jason, why don't you go? We'll, 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 we're going we'll to reverse that. it up, huh? We're going to well, reverse it up. Hey, Vince isn't here. Fuck it. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, well, so two things. Uh, in your travels, um, I wouldn't classify myself as, as a huge video gamer. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of time that I should say I don't devote to. I guess any of my my free time hobbies time is devoted to reading comics. But but uh, every now and then, you know, I will I will break open a new game. And um, I think as I told you guys privately, uh, I had pre-ordered and picked up um, Lego Marvel superheroes to to play along with my my boys. Um, we are big fans of the Lego games, especially the, uh, the star Wars games, which, which I had played along with them and, and had an absolute blast. They're just great all ages games. So, so this was a no brainer and it is a fucking blast, man. It is so much fun. Uh, it, it's, it's got talk about cameos. I mean, there, there are just an obscene number of unlockable characters, uh, both available in the game as well as DLC. And it's just super fun. The gameplay is intuitive you know, even even my four year old can play the game um, and have a blast with us. It's uh, just highly, highly recommended. Again, if you if you're a comic fan and you have kids of any age and uh, you allow them to play video games, you gotta get this, even if it's putting it on their list for Santa. But it's freaking great. Uh, so again, it's Lego Marvel superheroes. Um, and then in the reading department, um, I mean, a book that that so far I'm finding interesting and. Um, I'm just getting started in it, but it's a, it's actually like a fascinating work on many levels. Um, published by Top Shelf, and it's um, it's called God is Disappointed in You, and it's a like a black leather bound 
uh, book with nice silver inlay paper. It's got a red mm-hmm. uh, bookmark ribbon. It's written by Mark Russell, and it's got cartoons by Shannon Wheeler. And what's unique about it is that it's not a comic book. Um, it's 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 basically Mark Wheeler's attempt at uh, at uh, kind of modernizing and humorizing the Bible in like a couple pages per chapter, uh, with with Shannon Wheeler providing little you know um, comic cartoon vignettes uh, nice. in it. And uh, it's it's just you know I just thought it would be an interesting read and. Um, Again, I know that uh, you know people that that know the show and know me know that that I am an atheist and I'm married to a Catholic and uh, you know I've, I I have unapologetically you know strong views as to you know where I stand on these things, but I'm also not dogmatic and I don't condemn other people for thinking the way they think and and I think that um, th- that I can imagine that some people that may have come across this book that that maybe are religious may have thought it like be something they might want to avoid. And so I just want to like read this cause I, I want to give this guy a shout out cause I, I appreciate his perspective here. And this is just the uh, last paragraph of the introduction. And he says, um, uh, it's not my intention to mock the Bible with this book nor to endorse it, but merely to present it on its own terms in a way that's accessible and which relays the same sense of fascination I had when I truly discovered the Bible for the first time. If you want to reject the Bible as ancient superstition or digest it as the holy word of God, that's up to you. I just thought you might like to know what's uh, actually in the hot dog. So, um, again, like I, I, uh, I'm about halfway through, and I find it absolutely fascinating. Now, you know, again, I, I, I was raised Catholic, so I am quite familiar with the Bible. It's not like, uh, you know, I, I sort of was, was, was born an atheist and this is new, new field for me, but, but I, it's very, very funny. And again, it is not condescending. It's not, um, dismissive. It's just a humorous look at, uh, at, at the Bible and, and, you know, the, the very admittedly, you know, shocking things that are in there that people may not either realize or remember uh, that are in there. So I, I, I'm finding it fascinating. I'm, I'm very attracted to this kind of historical uh, recounting, you know, done in sort of a, a, a funnier, clever, modern way. And this is, uh, I have no idea why. I would love to ask Chris how he ended up publishing this. Like uh, this is, again, it's, it's, it has nothing really much to do with comics other than that Shannon Wheeler is a cartoonist. But uh, nevertheless, it's too much it's, coffee, man. Yeah, exactly. But but I don't know if maybe I can only guess. Maybe she had a relationship with him, you know, through that and 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 approached him, and he said, "Sure, why not?" But but uh, yeah, it's pretty groovy. It's it's a it's a it's been a, it's been a really interesting read. So give it a try. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. We'll we'll, okay. let, da- we'll let David uh, wrap us up tonight. Uh, I started um, I started reading. Um, Oh, let me get it out here. The Five Ghosts that we talked about a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, outstanding recommendation. It is um, it is absolutely fantastic looking. I mean it's a very fun story, which what you were what you were talking about. But man, there is so much love towards the Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen era, white DKR and there's a lot of chicken in here. There's just a ton of 1980s comic book art um, styling from uh, um, who's the artist on this? Chris Mooneyham. Chris Mooneyham. Um, he this guy just just drips Frank Miller and and Chaykin in this, and it is so 
so freaking good. So thank you for the recommendation. And I can't wait to, to get in and really read this and, uh, and talk with you more about it. So, um, I've been very image heavy this week. So, um, five ghost, uh, the haunting of Fabian gray, um, check it out. Nice. I, uh, I was doing some catch up this, uh, this weekend, uh, or earlier this week. And aside from a few of the things that I mentioned already, I, um, I shotgunned the, uh, starting back with issue number eight, the end of the, the Simonson Thor story, uh, of Indestructible Hulk. So basically nice. eight through 14, eight through the latest issue. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that, uh, Jason's pal, uh, Mateo Scalera did a few issues. Oh yeah, of, uh, of, of Instructable Hulk, and it, it it was made the first first two parter he did feature Daredevil was amazing, and since Wade is also writing Daredevil, um, the uh, it was it, everybody behaved the way they should. Basically, uh, Matt Murdock is he wasn't only Frank Castle's lawyer in the past, but he's currently Bruce Banner's lawyer, and uh, and as part of his Shield gig part of his contract he uh he has allowed uh visitation rights with his attorney and and um maria hill knows that if shield basically punts hulk into the sun uh matt murdoch has the uh the go-ahead to um release information that would do damage to shield so uh so they they meet up and uh, during their meeting, something bad happened. So that was a two-parter. And now, right now, there's uh, now right now there's an Agent of Time storyline happening, uh, where I thought this was awesome. I would love to own a uh, there. There, there's a an Agent of Time. Hulk goes back to the Wild West and meets Kid Colt Outlaw, Two Gun Kid. And the Rawhide Kid, and mm-hmm. I thought the interaction with all these characters was just fantastic. Um, and then he goes to Camelot, and and you know everything has been pretty fun with this. And and it, I, I love Wade. It all makes sense because he, he's working it with. It ties in to Age of Ultron because there was time travel there. It ties into all new X-Men because there's time travel there. And you can't fuck with the time stream without <laughs> doing damage to it. And Wade mm-hmm. is taking all of all of these stories from I mean we're not we're not getting a crossover or anything, but he's you know it's the Marvel universe and this is the shit that I love because you know you could be in an issue of Fantastic Four and there's Spider-Man just you know, swinging across has nothing to do with the issue. It's not a crossover. It's just it's a shared universe. So shit that happens in one issue in in one title should kind of affect other things. So this makes sense. And Wade is playing that up up, up to using it to a great degree. And um, with in issue fourteen, there are a measly five. It was such a fucking tease. There's a whole five pages drawn by uh Mahmoud. Uh the rest of the issue is drawn by um Kim Jacinto who did the issue who who took over the previous issue, issue thirteen, from um Matteo. Matteo did the first 
few pages, first half of the issue, uh, Jacinto finished it. Um, and everything was great, except where we had Merlin go from uh, wearing the, the pointy sorcerer hat, kind of like that, that dunce cap style. And then when uh, Jacinto w- was, was doing his art on in, in the book, uh, Merlin all of a sudden like turned into Gandalf with that funky looking sorcerer mm-hmm. cap, the buckle on the front. And I was just like, I don't know what was going on there. But other than that, the story that Wade is doing, and, and it's... It, you may be scratching your head at some of the science, but but obviously you know Wade is doing his research, so so there are things you know whatever whatever Banner or the other scientists are spewing probably um, resides in in real life somewhere. But you know you you may it's it, it's kind of Ellis like where when Warren Ellis writes a book and. And you're not sure about something. He's basically he, he did it with planetary. He's, he definitely did it with planetary, but he kind of did it with global frequency, where he'll write something. And if you're not sure about something, that's that's Ellis's way of saying, "Go look this shit up." And and Wade is kind of doing that to to uh, to some degree. But Hulk, indestructible Hulk, continues to be uh, great fun. I I think this is a uh, a fantastic version of Banner. Um, I, I like that, you know, we, we've seen the rampaging, mindless Hulk and, and not have a care in the world and, and, and leave towns um, in ruins. But but here there are, are repercussions and, and he's being handled by S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and there's a reason for everything that's happening. And and I'm um, I'm quite happy with, with the way things are going with, with the characters. So in your travels, read Indestructible Hulk. There you go. Yeah, awesome. Sir. Cool. User. Awesome, guys. We even went like a full two hours. They'll be so That's proud of me. Producer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it ain't come out yet. <laughs> it's going to trim it down to a nice tight. It might be. I got, a, I got a bond spiel this weekend, so this episode may not come out until like Monday. <laughs> you guys get to work right now. Uh-huh. Tomorrow's my last day of work. Then I'm I'm off. I'm curling all weekend long. But <laughs> you need to produce this shit tonight. Mm, yeah, that, I ain't Vince. I'm sorry, that ain't happening, folks. Dude, so, this could Dude. be this could this could be very well our Thanksgiving Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> it's gonna be. We're gonna go like two ninety one, two ninety two, then two ninety. That's mm-hmm. awesome. It could. You know what? I like that. I like that idea. You know, I'll go back. I'll go back right the old school days, and I'll take out all the uhs and ums and pauses and so, and yeah. do what? This could be episode thirteen. You know, we we need to we need to one of these days we'll release episode thirteen. There we go. <laughs> and I think that that should very well be our last episode. Hmm. What? I think it would be very fitting. You so crazy. Yeah. Hey, we release it next week. <laughs> you so, Ray. Yeah. Are we good? Are we done? Yeah, man. Good job. Nice yeah. job, producer. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I guess do we get Vince back next week, or is he still in New York? I don't know. He's been tweeting like a mofo. Apparently, he's, he? bu- he's buying all the art in New York. Apparently. Oh, I know Vince is probably uh, would we'd be dying when he listens back if we don't mention that. Uh, Prison Pit Volume Five is solicited in this month's previews. Oh, so, oh, and you said um, uh, the Fear Agent uh, Omnibus Volume yes. Two yes. appears they, to have be excited yeah. to hear yeah. that because it was long awaited and then canceled mm-hmm. for recent station, and we had heard that uh, there was a good chance it may be a long time coming. But 
Cooler heads have apparently prevailed, and the second volume of the Fear Agent uh, Omnibus is, is, is re-solicited in this month's preview. So. Yeah. Very, Giddy. Very exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all sorts of... All sorts of uh, uh, good stuff coming out there. And uh, I don't know if you guys have any plans to, but I will hopefully be seeing Thor 2, The Dark World, this weekend. So hmm. yeah, I, uh, I still need to go see Gravity. Oh, uh, yeah, well. Either way, I'll be seeing Thor 2, The Dark World. This <laughs> uh, um, I have noticed that um, that C2E2 plans are starting to be formed. Oh, my God, dude. Online. I'm being bombarded by C2E2 emails and shit, right? It's like, yeah, I'm like, Lance, Jesus. stop emailing me. I know. I mean, come on. It's like C2E2 took a dump this morning. It's like <laughs> yeah, that that's that's that. thanks for the update. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're getting very very excited about it. So, um are you what are we are we doing it again this year? Everybody coming in? <sighs> we have to figure that out. I mean, we we yeah. we were talking about maybe all of us heading to an, a different show, right? We're we going to think about uh, about Heroes Con. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, as we were saying, right? So, okay. yeah, I'm good I mean, with I, that. But, but that's a long time to wait between cons, so yeah, I, I might be enticed to, to do both. I don't know. Okay. All right. I could I could possibly do both. C two E two is also my place to get more ink, so that's mm. is that. I got my I got my tat all figured out. So Stringer, dude, stop. you said that, dude. <laughs> Come on, dude. No, this, this is the year. we see it. This is the year. I've got it all planned out. I've is got it a it. camera? It's going to be the sun from very, very far away. No, it's not going to be this. It's not a camera? No, it's not a camera. It's not a camera. Is, it, is it the uh, Darwin Cook New Frontier uh, characters? No. Mm. No. It's Terror Chase? No. It's not, it, it is not comic related. Oh, nice. But it is something near and dear to my heart. Is it a cardinal? No. Three-legged dog? No, no. <laughs> it is. Whenever you see it, you'll be like, "Oh, okay." I get see it. Shit bricks. Like I got you. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yep. So I've <laughs> I, I've put a lot of a lot of time and thought into it, and you know, I want to get something that is very important to me. He had, he had to wait for gay marriage to be passed in Illinois. Yes. <laughs> yes. We we are finally we are finally on the right side of history. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Did he catch so, up. So congrats. yeah, exactly. Way to way to go, Illinois. To be speaking of congrats, shout out to my boy Chris Christie. Yes, yeah. Yes, you know, yes, it's yes. um, I I love that cooler heads are starting to prevail. I was going to say, look at look at look at everyone having a very civil conversation on my Facebook. Yeah. Page. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you 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 that. know you know that that well, you and Sigmund are my two most liberal friends. So it's really? nice to see you two having a mm-hmm. nice back and forth with some of my extremely right wing friends that are also reposting on that thread. Well, so. you know, I would hope that, and and to not get too political here, I would hope that because you are a fiscal conservative, um, uh, uh, social liberal. Yes, is how I, is is how I would that's describe absolutely. you. Absolutely, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and I would, you know, I would hope that that most of the fiscal conservative social moderates out there are fucking pissed off right now at the the insanity that has crept into their party and i think that uh, that what happened in virginia this week is um <laughs> is, is is very much um uh, a call to arms for for uh, moderate republicans to to say okay it's time to it's time to to throw the 
the the idiots out of you know out of the house you know take over the the asylum again and and bring some you know some sense of order back to things um you know and it, it's it it swings back and forth you know both parties have their moments of absolute um um Whack of leadership and direction, and uh, you you actually said something today that made sense. I was I was shocked uh, <laughs> that uh, um, when when Obama came to came to power, the the Democratic Party was pretty rudderless, and and it was it was his administration that kind of brought order to uh, to that party and it it may be something like a chris christie presidency to to bring order and and kind of um throw the 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 garbage out of that party but the problem is that chris christie's from the east coast and people well, exactly east, i mean I, yeah. since you're giving me credit you should also say that i that was my main point which is that as much as i love christie and i i fucking definitely thrilled to have him as my governor again i i I, I I don't uh, well. History has not been. Now this being said, we 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 also eight years ago to you know we 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 didn't had never had a black president before, so right. there was always but 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 he he, he, he wasn't a black he president. From, he wasn't he wasn't a black president from New England. Italian Catholic is is yeah. is a, is, is a uh, okay. So so it's not an easy sell. No. So, so Kennedy Kennedy was an Italian, but wasn't he an East Coast Catholic? And I, I don't know. We're talking he's about the, the 60s. He's the only one. Yeah, he's yeah, the only, yeah, okay. yeah. The only Northeast Catholic. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Chris Christie, while being more moderate than than, than a lot of his party, is still going to be a hard sell. He is a, he is yeah, a, was, he is a I mean, moderate Republican from the East Coast. That ain't going to sell in Idaho. That's what I was going to say. And, and even, even politically from a – from a uh, a caucusing standpoint, um, the party has often eschewed very credible mm. uh, Italian um, Catholic vice presidential candidates for the oh, same yeah. reason because they don't yeah. think that they can carry it'll help them carry any of the states they need to carry. So, yeah, yeah it's it's very unlikely. And, and again, as much as it shouldn't matter, uh, his obesity is a major factor. Well, that's why he had the surgery, right? Yeah, he look he he again. He's still a very heavy man, but he looks fantastic relative mm-hmm. to how he did look. I mean, he was he mm-hmm. looked. Yeah. Really, I mean, he looked like he was about to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so uh, so I mean, he's doing. He the looks right like thing. the mayor of Toronto. Yeah, but, but but that being said, I mean, not I don't know how we got it, but but I you know as much <laughs> as I would, and I'm not even suggesting he would be the, the 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 ideal president, but I would love to see him be the Republican Party's voice because Absolutely. at least he yeah. is centrist in a lot of issues now. You know that being said, since we're going there, I I, I still vehemently disagree with his views on uh, or his abs abs oh, abs gay, gay, gay marriage, marriage, yeah, and his. Uh, you know, uh, I, I personally rights. believe that he is, you know, uh, I, I think in those issues he's 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 catering to the party line. I, I think I think right. I think that's very much a a, a partisan stance that. But, he's but it just bothers trying, me that yeah. he's not willing to sort of stand out. Um, yeah. You know, in that regard, um, but uh, you know, and he's 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 uh, politically pro pro life, which which you know I have an issue with very mm-hmm. much as well. But but all that said, again, you know, the, the simple fact is there are certain aspects to both parties that are never going to like mm-hmm. you're not going to even be able to get on a ticket if you don't maintain that your position is something. Yep. So in the issues that I guess I'm more aligned with him, I I, I just think it would be interesting. I certainly would welcome him over. Um, the other Paul Ryan, not oh, talking about yeah, more, yeah, but yeah. You know, oh, Paul, uh, Paul Ryan's political career is over. Um, yeah, it's been. yeah, it, it's over. It's but um, uh, Rick Perry. For Christ's sake, do what? 
Or Victor Cruz, for Christ's sake. Oh, name. God. It's uh, uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz isn't even American. He was born in Canada. Um, it, it's the other It's the other Texan, uh, Perry, that scares the shit out of me. And then uh, everyone's favorite uh, uh, plagiarist, uh, uh, Rand Paul. Rand, so, yeah. Yeah, cool. so out of, out of all of those, Chris Christie seems like the least dangerous to me. <laughs> so. And to, uh, to, to, no, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, which is, a, it's, it's, you're, you're not wrong, which is kind of frightening, but. <laughs> Yeah. Is, right. Well, to, to bring it back to comics, um, tonight on, on tonight's Colbert Report, which I know Jason never watches, uh, Stephen Colbert actually brought up the new Miss Marvel. Really? Yeah. Yes. So well, he's a comics guy. time. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got Captain America's shield on his wall yeah. and everything. So, but he. Uh, but Casada well, gave that to him, I think, didn't he? Well, yes, yes, he did. And we'll um, we could probably talk about the news of the new Miss Marvel next week um who's doing it what's the what's the deal it's is well, it just she's, she's muslim um it's, oh. it's written by it's written by g willow wilson oh it's not dust though no 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 she oh um, okay okay and although i think she's in maybe she makes an appearance in this week's new um young avengers Mm-hmm. Okay. But she's she she she's Muslim, uh, she's Pakistani, and um, and and it's so it's written by G. Willow Wilson, art by um, uh, uh, Alfonso, who who did uh, Runaways, Alfonso. So you I, you're gonna have creators who are gonna be respectful to. Wait, um, you mean Adrian Alfona? Thank you. Yes. That's, okay. Yeah, I didn't fuck that up. So yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Alphone is the artist. Wilson is is the writer. Um, oh, New York cool. Times like that are right up on it, but yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm going to give it a shot. It's not. It's uh, but yeah. So he was talking about the whole. Uh, from what I can tell, on on the screen, he was talking about the, uh, the diversity of it, and and um, and apparently, I guess she's friends with Carol Danvers, which is why she adopts the the Miss Marvel name since Danvers is the new Captain Marvel, and and I guess we'll be staying out. Let's give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. So I yeah. think that comes out in February, but um, so that I wasn't familiar with with the whole thing until uh, earlier today. So I got to thank Mister Lytle for that. But um, yeah, so so that's basically, it. and and I guess we can we can go out with a um, with 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 a a toast to uh, Mister Nick Hardy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know yeah. what? Good long. Yeah, amazing life. So yeah, definitely the legendary Nick Hardy. Yeah. By the way, yeah. shout out to Julian on another level. He uh, he he hooked me up with an invite to buy some Google Glass. So I give I owe oh, my thanks for that. Really? Yeah. So see what the hype's all about. Hopefully, I'll be able to take a, a picture of you and your Google Glass with my awesome new Canon 5D Mark III. <laughs> if I sell this <laughs> page for. An exorbitant amount of money. I, I got to wait for the prescription models to be more readily available. Well, yeah, me. I mean, I, that would, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I got my contacts, so I can always. Right. All right. Well, what's uh, what's uh, let's roll out of here with some uh, some Luscious Jackson. I sweet. Yeah, it's good. Go pick it up. Peace.